1: And the future is bright indeed. So, we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to another episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news, rumors, and updates on all the cool and exciting stuff coming up in the Star Wars universe. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co hosts, Tim and Paul, with me. How's it going, guys?
2: What's up, guys? Hope everyone is doing good, safe, and healthy. And I know we're still, a lot of us stuck in this quarantine, but during that time, I was speaking for myself, I consumed a lot of Rise of Skywalker content <laughs> between <laughs> the Blu-ray, the special features, the novel, *It's skin the Kennedy art book. So that's been fun, but now I'm excited to talk about all that stuff so, with you guys, so it's going to be a fun one.
0: It's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, <'cause laughs> Just you, kidding. Because oh you don't really gosh. like that movie, it's right, a- Paul? Uh, it's okay. I I think the Last Jedi is a little better, actually. Um, <laughs> no, uh, it's officially become you. the Bizarro podcast. <laughs> yeah, really. Ooh, we should do that. We should do that sometime. It'd be hilarious. Uh, it would have been a good April Fool's joke, right? Yeah. Uh,
1: have have Paul praising Last Jedi, me praising Rise of Skywalker,
0: Tim well, hating well, on the prequels. For the re- yeah. <laughs> for the record, I don't
1: hate the Last Jedi. There's just Your a lot Twitter of Twitter says just- otherwise.
0: That was a bad night for me. <laughs> I was taking my frustration out on Last Jedi, and I'll be quite honest. But that's a whole different story. This has been quite the week, and uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, amidst the, the pandemic. It's, life is going to get hectic and, and insane in the next couple weeks. So, yeah, life is weird, but life is good. And Rise of Skywalker is good, despite what Kyle says about it. So. Uh, I'm excited to talk a lot about that right now and and hear everyone's kind of insight about the novel, the art of book and all that jazz and obviously, uh, the, the home video release. So yeah, this is going to be a a pretty rad show. I mean, obviously Rise of Skywalker means a lot to me and, uh, yeah, I'm excited to get into it.
1: Yeah. Well, let's start with the home video release and just talk about that. Um, now I will say I have not actually gotten the movie on Blu-ray yet. Um, I have it on digital. Thanks to you, Paul. And, uh, also shout out to my friend, Caleb Klingen, who let me use his, his voodoo account for a while. And then Paul, you hooked me up with a digital code. So I've been able to watch it a couple times now. Um, but yeah, like you said, with all the the crazy stuff going on right now, I actually got laid off from my job a couple weeks ago, so buying the Blu-ray is not super high on my priority list right now, as long as I've got a chance to watch the movie. Um, but at some point I will get it, because as much as I have issues with The Rise of Skywalker, it still makes a fine addition to my collection. You gotta have all those Blu-rays lined up on the shelf. Um, but yeah, for now, I've just watched it on digital, I've watched a couple of the special features, I watched the, uh, the Skywalker Legacy documentary and all that stuff, so... Um, but let's just talk, before we, before we get into the movie itself, because I'll talk a little bit later about, you know, my thoughts on the, watching the movie again after having read the novel and all that stuff, but, um, as far, how, how are you guys feeling just as far as the, uh, the home video release, like the content that's included, the picture quality, all that stuff, I will say, I, I mean, I've enjoyed watching it, um, I, I like the stuff that's included with it, it looks great, obviously, I really wish there were deleted scenes. Um, especially after reading the novel, there's a lot of stuff in oh, there that yeah, I'm like, so. man, that would have been great either in the movie or at least included as a deleted scene. But the fact that there's no deleted scenes is kind of a bummer. Um, but the, the documentary was good. Um, you know, I, I've, I haven't watched all the other ones. Like there's a whole five minute featurette just on Wicket beat having a cameo just in that last scene. I'm like, yeah, I'll get to that eventually, I guess. um, the John Williams featurette about the music and stuff, I like that. So, um, yeah, overall, I've been pretty happy with uh, with with what's included in it. But what do you guys think?
2: Yeah, obviously, we knew beforehand it wasn't going to have commentary to deleted scenes, which was a bummer. So I was curious to see just how meaty these other special features were going to be. But um, first off, the steel case for it, which is I got from Best Buy, which finally I got... For once, a Star Wars movie shipped early because <laughs> this time I've seen Paul get it early and other people I know on Twitter. You deserved it, Tim. You oh, deserved you. it. But every time a movie would come out that opening weekend, I know, like you, Paul, you pre order it right away. You'd get it like the weekend before the Tuesday release. So I like, go, for the Rise of Skywalker, I'm definitely doing it. So that Friday night, I believe I pre ordered the movie of opening night for the Rise of Skywalker in December, hoping that would be the case. And thankfully it was. So I got it on Saturday. So that Saturday, I watched both the Skywalker Legacy documentary and the movie, which was a great four hours of Star Wars content because I absolutely loved that documentary. It, you know, this is kind of high praise, but it's not quite out there yet. But I would say it's almost I enjoyed it as much as I did the beginning, the Phantom Menace mm-hmm. documentary. Not quite as great as that, but I think it's just a step below. I really enjoyed it. Just how it went into the whole process of you know going through the movie chronologically of how the the story plays out and talking about the behind the scenes and production about specific key moments throughout the course of the movie but also what sets it apart is how it went back to old archival footage of behind the scenes stuff from the original Uh trilogy and how they mirrored each other which was just fantastic and also giving some nice tributes to carrie fisher in that documentary which was great to see and then the section about john williams and how his little cameo in the movie was done and i didn't know this too but how behind him in the counter was different props and easter eggs for all his yeah. movies that were nominated for oscars I mean, you saw uh, uh, the hook prop on there which was cool i think they made an iron from home alone which was pretty That's funny really, so, yeah ridiculous all that stuff was really really cool but what i really enjoyed about it most is you know i don't have this opinion but i know I'm sure there's fans who are really disappointed with The Rise of Skywalker might feel that, you know, J.J. didn't care about it or just wanted to wrap it up, or Chris Terrell. They didn't weren't really fully invested. They just wanted to do something real quick, and they were in a rush to get it out. But you really see how much they cared about this ending the saga in the way they felt was meaningful and right. I mean, you could really feel that from everyone who was working on it, which I really appreciated. And regardless of how you feel, the movie and the decisions that – were made in the story for certain characters i think after that watching the doc documentary you can't really say that they didn't care about it i think everyone who's involved in working on really wanted to try to make this a great ending that the saga deserved so i really appreciated that aspect of it too so i was really happy with that as a special feature and not getting deleted scenes or a commentary um i was expecting to be kind of disappointed with this special features uh, that were included on this but it, that definitely wasn't the case after getting this documentary. I knew that was going to be the main one, and it was over two hours, which was fantastic. <laughs> I mean, I loved that. It was as long as the movie, pretty much, almost. But the other featurettes, they were pretty cool, The showing the how they've seen the persona chase. And um, like you said, the Warwick Davis featurette was him and his son filming that one little scene. The John Williams one, the, this is a uh, digital exclusive only, but that one was probably... My second favorite after the Legacy documentaries, I thought that was great. Just seeing him record the final Star Wars movie for him and having so many people be in attendance for that, I thought was great. I mean, obviously, you had J.J. Abrams, you had Mark Hamill, you had Bob Iger, you had Daisy Ridley, you had uh, Steven Spielberg there, which was great. The only Thing that I felt was missing, obviously, no, George. was, it was George. Yep, <laughs> the one who started it all. I mean, it would have been great <laughs> if he was there for the final one, but knowing his feelings on the sequel trilogy in general, I yeah. kind of figure why he wasn't there. But yeah. it was great. And I got chills in one moment because it was John Williams talking about wrapping up uh, his work on the saga. And this is why I love the final scene from Rise of Skywalker so much. They played the clip of Ray saying, you know, Ray Skywalker, then it just goes into showing clips of each movie from the saga with the force. I believe it's the foresting plane, but just hearing her say Ray Skywalker, and then you go to the transition of seeing the Skywalker saga unfold with John Williams, beautiful music. It was just really, really cool and just cementing how this is the Skywalker story and legacy that was shown in all nine of these movies. And I just loved how, it was edited together with that music playing and compensating both the star wars story, but also John Williams journey throughout the process of creating iconic, beautiful music for all nine movies. So I really love that documentary as well. So overall I was real happy with the blu-ray set. Um, the case, the steel book case is really cool. And then the picture quality on the movie was, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into this with the other ones too, but I was real happy with it. The 4k looked really, really great. Um, so yeah, I was just really happy to get it early, watch the documentary, watch the movie all in one night. It was just a perfect Star Wars evening that Saturday mm, when I got mm, it. So, mm. yeah, I'm really happy with it. So, is the the one where it's when she says
0: Ray Skywalker and it goes back to all the different movies, is that in the 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 2-hour documentary or is that in the the digital only John no, Williams one? Yeah, that's the in the digital John only feature.
2: Yeah.
0: <clears throat> all right, so I haven't seen that one yet. So, I need to I need to get on that. So, yeah, um, I just
1: watched that like yesterday.
0: Yeah, I, I haven't. But I've you're right, Tim. Watched... That,
1: that was a really cool moment.
0: So, I I bought the Rise of Skywalker digitally because I'm weak and <laughs> and I just could not wait because as as people know, I I love that movie. It's it's by far my favorite of the Disney of the Disney era, and and, and that's saying a lot because I loved Rogue One and I, I love this more a little bit, barely, but still I loved it. Um, and I love Rogue sweet. One. Was that?
1: I said that's blasphemy. Oh, dude,
0: going <laughs> get me started, homie. But, yeah, I, but I love Rogue One. So, Rogue when when Rise of Skywalker came out digitally, uh, as far as the well, just, I'll go with a technical uh, standpoint. The the it was funny because the, the Dolby Vision version that I that I saw, and granted I don't have Dolby Vision, but it's super grainy and and bright, and it's it still looks great. I love the transfer. It was a cool way to look watch it. But when I wa- when I got the physical disc and watched it, it was much different and a lot more dynamic as far as the coloring goes. And again, it's from digital disc. If I had a Dolby player and Dolby Vision and all my, and whatever, but it was very very interesting to see the different the differences. And also, and and this is something a, a video file like uh, Kyle here might kind of respect and understand. But and just for my 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 knowledge of music and analog versus digital analog is such more of a richness, you know, as far as what you can do with it. It's a lot more diverse than digital. Digital is a little more straightforward. And by what I mean by that is that when you have uh, you, when you do film and again, my limited knowledge of film uh, for video is that you, you can obviously, the, the quality you can go with it it, it has a lot lower li- there's not as there's not as many limitations as, as doing with straight digital and with that means that or that sometimes when you oversaturate something you might get more grain in an actual film analog and I feel that you could really see the film grain in the uh Dolby vision uh digital version that I that I saw the first night, which was kind of cool. It's a kind of kind of a cool element, a little more of a vintage vibe, if you will. But When I saw it, when I watched it on physical uh, 4K, it was all gone, it was a way more clear, crisp uh, picture. So I thought that was very interesting. I'm not sure if you've you've seen it digitally yet, Tim, but it's a little bit different. And I even had a a friend of mine who's a big video person kind of compare the two, because I watched the opening of The Rise of Skywalker on uh, video, just kind of, because I remember how grainy the opening is when I first saw it for, uh, which again, I like the transfer, it looks great. Uh, digitally, but when I watched the physical one, it was a lot more crisp and clear and everything. I'm like, that was very interesting. So um yeah, I think the quality for either one looks phenomenal. I think I think whether you like the movie or not, you have to say that movie looks great. It looks phenomenal. And I think after seeing uh I I, I got the 4K Skywalker box set. I can say after seeing seeing the sequel most of the sequel trilogy in, in 4K one way or another, I think it's pretty the best looking of all the of all the 4Ks, in in my opinion, I haven't gotten to the new Last Jedi 4K because the the original release had Dolby Vision as the only uh, HDR. Now the uh, the new one is a fork. It's a, a an actual not Dolby Vision. It's it's uh, what, what is it
2: HDR HDR
0: ten yeah HDR ten. So I'm curious how different it looks. And Last Jedi looks great. I want to make that very clear. It, it my problems aside from it. Storyline wise, it looked phenomenal in 4K. It did. It looked great. So that being said, I thought the Rise of Skywalker looked even better. I thought it it really just the 4K was made it look and phenomenal. And maybe that's my own biases in there. I don't know. But yeah, I think you can't I think it looks the best as far as the quality of of that goes. I, I have not seen the other documentaries. I did watch the the two-hour one, this whatever that one's called. And I loved it. Like you said, Tim, I thought that it was great to get insight. And I th- and I know a lot of people do not agree with J.J. and Chris Terrio. And when I say a lot of people, I say half of people that are big Star Wars fans didn't like The, the Rise of Skywalker. Just like there's half the people that didn't love The Last Jedi as much as some people did. Um, regardless of what you think about their decisions, I think you, it'd be really hard to see the that the reasons why they did it you can't you you would get mad at them for doing that like i mean the Mm. fact that chris terrio is steeping himself in joseph campbell and you know and trying to go back to those roots to end the end the saga not continue the saga necessarily which again that's a whole different debate but in his mind trying to end it and bring it back to where it kind of its roots are, which are obviously in the traditional hero's journey and trying to keep that mythology aspect up again, a reason why I love the movie so much is it has a lot of that in it. And, to see him really go in depth about it. And I think you could tell he, he, he cared a lot about it after the movie came out, he was doing all those interviews. You could tell he was trying to explain himself. Cause he wanted, he was, he really was excited about working about star Wars. Cause I don't remember him talking about that much stuff about the Batman versus Superman when it came out. I mean, maybe I'm, I, I missed that Tim, but it didn't seem like he was going out on the limbs as much as he did about star Wars. Not that and, I can recall,
2: but like you yeah, said, maybe and we, <laughs> we don't remember. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Maybe we don't miss Maybe we missed that boat. I don't know. But that being said, I'm with you. I, whether you agree with him or not, I think you can see the passion that he had, that he really wanted to do something that he felt was the right way to end. Let's let's just say this trilogy. And I, <clears throat> I, I think that if you can, you can disregard what he, what he did, cause you don't agree. You don't think it was the right choice. That's fine. But to say, to, to make fun of him or, To to downplay what he did as like it was insignificant and not worthy because of you know he didn't care is not being honest at all because if you watch that documentary he looks like you could again if you just listen to the interviews that he did with Hollywood Reporter people but but people probably think that he's like maybe he's slipping with a glass of wine being like with a with a scarf around his neck being like I don't really care (laughs) maybe they think that when you know everything but. That's not what it is. You All the things that he said in that documentary, but you see him steeped in Star Wars books, which maybe he like put up for like show, but I doubt it. Because what he was talking about was very much in line with what is in the movie and is consistent to a lot of themes in Star Wars itself. And obviously Joseph Campbell is a big, big part of Star Wars, regardless if you think that it's Kurosawa is mainly it or whatever. I don't, you know, obviously... It, you know Joseph Campbell really you know brought it he brought it back to the roots as far as you know the hero's journey and all that stuff. But that being said, you can tell Chris Terrio really, really wanted to bring it back to the roots of Star Wars and what kind of George you know at least was going with from a storyline standpoint and. I, I thought that that was conveyed beautifully by him, honestly. And I think Great. that was one my that was one of my favorite parts because it was i that to me is always the most fascinating part is the storyline. How the story develop? Where,
2: yeah,
0: why do they make the decisions they made, especially in Star Wars, because now it's an ongoing continuity that is growing outside of just not just the films, but the comics and the books. So anytime I can get more insight in what why they chose to have this character do this or that, whether it's Ryan Johnson or whatever, I want to know why. What what's the significance? What 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 what's the root of it? And maybe I don't agree with it like Ryan Johnson. Um I I want to know where that came from cuz I find that stuff fascinating. So it was really cool to get that. It definitely felt like JJ was JJ's is just Hollywood. And you can just tell. And I'll give Ryan Johnson some credit cuz I, I think even though the first documentary in The Force Awakens is like so like bloated and just obviously cookie cutter that it's just not it's not fun to watch i've seen it once and i'm pretty much good i don't ever want to watch it again or maybe watch it one more time but the ryan johnson documentary that the director and the jedi is phenomenal Mm -hmm. i think if i'm being honest i think i would take that one over this one just because i think that one's a lot more of an honest um look into the process of making a star wars movie like the beginning which I think is the best. I think the beginning is yeah. by far the best. No one, you know, whatever. Even though you get insights of, of people, you see why the prequel struggled, in my opinion, in that documentary, like verbatim. And in my, in my opinion, I think you see why The Last Jedi struggles for a lot of people, in my opinion, in that movie. And not just not just Mark Hamill being like, I don't agree with anything what this guy did. That, 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 even you take that out, you, you don't count that. There's a lot of moments in there for me where I'm like, man, you can tell this guy is not stoked. <laughs> and that being the costume director. You could tell yeah, my, sorry. <laughs> you could tell that guy is not stoked with Ryan's decisions. And you can see in the this documentary with the JJ. He seems a lot happier and a lot lot more at least in these things they give us so um but that being said I I think the director of the Jedi is the second one after the beginning as far as Star Wars documentaries and I would give probably this one from rise of Skywalker right below that but they're they're it's not too far behind either because I did think that JJ did, a, did the right thing by giving us a little more of an insight that he's probably used to or wanted to but he wanted I think he knew the, the significance and maybe even seeing the director in the Jedi and knowing that I was probably a pretty like a pretty cool thing that people liked and talked about. I know I talked about a lot a lot. I loved it. Even though I don't love the last Jedi as much as other people. Um I think the documentary is great. And I, and in fact, I thought about uh Tim some point we have to have like a a joint Skype call where we watch all the documentaries so like Empire Dreams, then we watch the beginning, then we watch Dude. from, from publish to hey, pixel. We
1: we could do commentaries for those when we run out of uh movie
2: commentaries to do yeah
0: yeah i mean like, honestly like, they, they are i mean empire dreams is
2: phenomenal yeah. and i mean that's a. I mean the, obviously that's whole movie. the weakest one out of all of them is revenge of the sick absolutely so disappointed how, with
0: that one. how yes. did they drop the ball on that
2: i know <laughs> that one that could have been games. amazing yeah yeah i
0: know Except, how do I, how do those seem work in three minutes? I don't care about that. Killing one the story.
1: Yeah, yeah. Wasn't that, it, it was a whole hour long documentary about what goes into like one minute of the visual effects on in the Mustafar fight or something,
2: right? Yeah. Yeah. Like they even had a few, yeah. spent a few minutes on the catering aspect. <laughs> I for, was like, this is the stuff I want to see about the <laughs> Which movie.
1: It's cool to see like what goes into the process yeah. of making a movie like on that level. But when it's something like when it's, a movie that at the time was the conclusion of the Skywalker saga and bringing the whole story full circle. It's like, you want more about that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah.
2: So
0: sorry. It's been a piece of licorice when I thought you would keep talking. Um,
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, well,
1: um, but I I will say, I agree with you. I think the director in the Jedi was better just comparing it to this documentary. Cause as much as like, I mean, I agree with you, Tim. I think the one thing that really makes this special is the way they integrated like that archive footage of, um, you know, the behind the scenes stuff from the original trilogy. I mean, I think there were some clips in there that I hadn't even seen before um, of just, you know, behind the scenes stuff on set and them rehearsing and all that. And that was really special and really cool to see. Um, but then as far as the making of The Rise of Skywalker, for me, it felt a little bit surface level. And again, maybe that's because I'm comparing it with the, la- with the director and the Jedi. And that one really was... Personal, and it felt like it was not just showing you how the movie got made, but it felt like it was telling a story. Um, and there was a conflict there between you know Mark Hamill and Ryan Johnson, and he was fighting to you know tell his story and do what he thought was the right thing. And you know you can agree with him or disagree with him, but I just thought there were there were a lot of good layers of storytelling and just sort of personal stakes in that one. Whereas this one was just kind of like, oh yeah, we're back, we're having a good time making a Star Wars movie. Um, And it was weird because for me, and I know this is probably my personal bias because I don't love Rise of Skywalker, but there was some stuff in there where it was really cool to see like what went into the production and, you know, just like whether it's the, the costumes and the sets and the creatures and whatever was amazing. But there was some stuff that they went into so much detail on that I'm like really you guys built like expensive physical animatronic puppets of some creature that was like in the corner of the scene for two seconds. And you couldn't have maybe just done that as CGI and spend a little extra time on the script instead. Like, I don't know. Um,
0: <laughs> Tread lightly, sir. Tread lightly.
1: Oh, I, that's, that's treading lightly. Um, wow. But hold no, on. I mean, well, hold, on, hold on. How do you work on the script? Like what do you want them to do? If you don't agree with their story, you know what I mean? Well, no, it's it's not it's it's kind of hard to explain, but maybe it's just the way that they presented JJ talking so much about some of the stuff. He seemed so excited about just filling the world of Star Wars with more like it almost came across and again, from for from my perspective as someone who has major issues with the movie. He seemed more the the documentary made it seem like he was more interested in just sets and creatures and practical effects and just playing in the world of Star Wars than he was with telling a good story. At least it seemed like that was what the documentary, like, focused more on. You know, he was so giddy about, like, the, the Aki Aki doing their dance and stuff. And don't get me wrong, that was cool. I love that scene on Pisana. But mm. it just... I don't know. It, for me personally, I I kind of had this sense on, like, of of, like, is he maybe focusing a little too much on, like... Stuff that's not as important in the big picture of things. Well, but I don't know. You know that's just me.
0: You know, Kyle, I, I can see your point a little bit because, and that's why I meant this. When, that's kind of what what I meant when I said he's he's so Hollywood. Yeah, because so, he is he is very much a no.
1: I I caught a, on to you saying that, and that was kind. I was going to latch onto that.
0: Yeah, and I, th- and I think that that's, that's accurate. I think I've noticed that in almost everything I've seen in a man. He's very much all about, he's a, he's a director at heart. I think he's obviously a, a solid writer. I think he's a solid writer. I don't think he's the greatest writer, but he's a solid writer. I don't think he writes bad stuff. I think exception a little bit when, like, people take shots at the script, like when they, and, and not really necessarily you, but when they say things like, well, we spent more time on the script or or whatever. I, I don't think them spending an extra, like, month on the scripts gonna make make you make it any different to where well to be fair though, like they
1: didn't have long to work on the script and it was the same thing with the force awakens like I do wish they had had more time to work on the scripts and I'm not saying that they churned out a piece of crap but I'm saying that sure you know I mean Michael aren't worked on the script of force awakens for a year and then got fired yeah. because he still couldn't crack the story and JJ Abrams and Lawrence Kasdan had to spit something out in a couple of months so they could start shooting um and Let's i could go fair. i yeah. could go down this trail forever i mean this is
0: save, save, save it for an episode it's just, yeah it's yeah just yeah no spot. i i'm yeah, not gonna get yeah, into all safe. my
1: issues with the the lack of story planning of the sequel trilogy if you listen to this podcast you've heard me probably go off on this rant a half dozen <laughs> That's times already. True. yeah um but it's just and it but it's same situation with rise of skywalker they fired colin trevorrow they had jj abrams and it wasn't it wasn't a super last minute thing, but it's like, Hey, you're coming on kind of late in the game. We still got a deadline to keep. So he, he obviously didn't have as much time to work on the script as he would have had he been hired like a year previously when Colin Trevorrow was first hired. Um, you know, Colin had a lot more time to work on his script. So, so, you know, and again, I'm not trying to bash the script and say like, Oh, it was absolute garbage and it's super rushed and, and all that kind of stuff, but it definitely could have been better and, and depending on your feelings about the movie i'm not saying they absolutely needed more time but i'm saying more time would not have been a bad thing
2: oh of course but yeah what are you saying tim it kind of sucks for jj though that for the two star wars movies that he made was kind of the same scenario where you had to hurry up and get things moving with Mm -hmm. the script and start shooting because they had to meet that deadline and it just makes you think you know what if anything would have been that much different if It was kind of how it was for Ryan Johnson. He knew he was hired. He had this ample amount of time to work on the script. So shooting began this, you know, not the stress of worrying to jumping on a project when you weren't really planning on it. And yet you got this short amount of time. So I just wonder how different things would be for Force Awakens and Rise of Skywalker if it was kind of some he knew going in at the get go.
0: Well, and to be honest, this is actually honestly a really great conversation and piece because this is there's a lot going on with this and there's a lot to be explained, I think, for all the films, including, including Ryan Johnson. So I don't we will we'll save this for a different topic for, for my response because this is a great conversation. Um, I will I want to say as far as, as as J.J. being presented in this movie and, and what you were saying, Kyle, I, I do get it. And I don't want to say that, you know, I, I think that The Rise of Skywalker And last Jedi, it it really comes. I always come down to just see that obviously JJ and Ryan are vastly different people and creative people. And there is, I don't think there's a right or a wrong as far as one's worse than the other, but there's definitely a preference. And I definitely feel that Ryan's a little more raw, little likes little things, do things a little bit differently. That's not a mainstream, which I think is good and a bad thing, to be honest. And I think J.J. is a little more mainstream, a little more popcorn, whereas – and that's a good example. I think J.J. is a little more popcorn, maybe put a little caramel in his chocolate in his popcorn, you know, and make it – spice it up a little bit, whereas Ryan Johnson's probably, like, you know, gourmet, organic, you know, good stuff. You know, it, I mean, it's kind of a joke, but, I mean, he's more of, like, the, a different a different kind of, like, radical snack where it's, like, a little more, I mean, a little more of an acquired taste, and I can't really think of that anything off the top of my head, like. Maybe he's nachos compared to I don't know whatever. My point is, is that he's not like he, JJ's a little more safer. Ryan Johnson's not as safe, and I think that there's that's what makes Ryan Johnson. I think Ryan Johnson for better for worse, and I think that mm-hmm. you know I think, but again, it's not a right, it's not a right or a wrong. It's a preference thing, and I think that that's where a lot of people will see that in Last Jedi and and the director or excuse me the director in the Jedi and this documentary here. Is that you just see the vastly different personalities of the type of people that they are? I think they both appreciate art and film maybe the same, but what they do and what their sensibilities are aren't gonna be aren't necessarily the same. And we, and it's evident in the Star Wars movies that they put out and in the films they put out in general. So I mean, I definitely can understand that side of him coming across in the film, the scenes that we saw. So but and and to wrap up at least from my end on the on the whole documentaries and all that stuff I want to say that I I still believe without a shadow of a doubt that we're getting an expanded edition at some point of this movie. I just I either a commentary just like the Force Awakens 3D set I think that especially now with the coronavirus coming out and Disney is like hurting for money and they're not hurting hurting for money but they're you know they're not doing great right now. It almost makes it makes even more sense to re-release *Rise of Skywalker*, put out some like director's cut or some, some something like the 3D version, where there's more deleted scenes on it that you guys are all talking about, more featurettes on it, and a director's commentary. And I wouldn't be surprised if it actually ended up being a director's or director's cut. I really don't, because there, as we know from that that novel, and from everything we've seen, there's a lot that cut out of that movie potentially, and. I think we all would love to see it either in the movie or as the deleted scenes. And I think the fact that there are no deleted scenes on that thing, only, only, uh, solidifies the
1: fact that yeah,
0: it's coming at some point. So um, yeah, especially because I, sure I mean, so. we,
1: you, we, it's it's been confirmed through. I mean, even behind the scenes footage that you see in the documentary and stuff, but also like some behind the scenes photos and stuff that that have been released online. Like they definitely filmed some of those things. It's not like they just made up extra stuff for the book. Like some of that stuff was was in the script and was even shot. So I hope we get to see it at some point, but who knows.
0: I think that you're right. I, I think they, and I'm I'm curious because I haven't read the book. I don't know everything that's going on as far as that goes. So I know we're going to have to hit that, that, sub- that subject up next, but like you said, I'm curious what they'd film that what's, what's made for the book for the, like from the script or created from Ray Carlson herself. That was approved by Lucasfilm. I don't know. So I, I, I think it's going to happen. I think it just, they've already done it once with JJ, and I'm sure it's going to happen again, especially around Christmas time, to get more sales and to increase everything. And maybe I'm wrong, but I, I think I think it's coming. I think it's 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 so obvious that there's no deleted scenes on the, with no deleted scenes, they're going to re-release it somewhere. Or and, and at least for me, I hope it's a director's cut. I don't want them just deleted scenes. I want a real, I want a legit longer version of that movie. So. I do too.
2: One hundred percent agree with you. I'm just not getting my hopes up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would love it, but I—I
1: I mean, the fact that they've never done that for a Star Wars movie before, I'm not holding my breath.
2: But they kind of have. I mean, stuff, it's easy to think that when you compare it to Lord of the Rings, but almost every Star Wars movie has had that. You think of the special editions, and then yeah, special editions. The, the DVD releases. Really. The DVD releases for the Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. Lucas doesn't even make a big deal out of it. But when you watch it for the first time, you're like, oh wait, this is brand new stuff. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's how cool. A good is point. that? So it would be kind of cool if the, some of the sequel trilogy films, or at least one of the it sequel was, trilogy was It was just never
1: marketed it. as a director's cut. It was just George exactly. slipping it's, stuff yeah. in there and seeing if he would notice.
2: Oh, we noticed.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's actually a really good point. It was never advertised as a director's cut because it was George like, it's my vision. It's great. Yeah,
1: he, he would just argue that this is the movie that should have been released in the theaters to begin with. Yeah. Um, But anyway, so before we move on, though, to talking about the the Rise of Skywalker novel and stuff, while we're on the subject of movies and uh, 4Ks and home video releases and stuff, um, I know both of you guys picked up the the Skywalker Saga 4K box set. Um, I obviously haven't gotten that yet either, but I know you guys wanted to talk about that a little bit. So uh, how are you enjoying that so far?
2: Well, for me, I was late in deciding on getting it i literally decided the weekend of that i was gonna get it because at the same time i felt i always at first i was thinking you know what they're on disney plus in 4k and i know the physical disc obviously looks better but right now maybe it's not the best time to buy the whole set but then i was just thinking i've gotten every major new star wars release for every format why should it be any different with this obviously money but thankfully i was able uh my younger brother was went went in on it with me so i didn't have to pay all of it (laughs) so it's technically both of our box set but as long as i have it and the when i got it i was surprised of how small the box actually was seeing it on pictures Mm -hmm. and even some videos i thought it was gonna be bigger but um i still smaller is better when you're Don't want it to take too much space. So I'm happy with the size of it. I will say I'm still a little disappointed that the actual front box case of it is just of the Death Star where it says the Skywalker saga. I really wish they would have came up with some cool artwork encompassing, you know, at least the main protagonist of each trilogy. You got Anakin, you get Mm -hmm. Luke, you get Rey on there with some cool new artwork. I think that would have been a really cool box. But once you open it up and you get the the booklet of all the discs, um, that is beautiful i really love how that is packaged um first it's just a silver cover that says star wars you open it up and for each movie you get concept art for each movie as you're turning the the booklet over so for phantom menace you get concept art for that and so on and so on and there's some really beautiful pieces in there that we've seen before but i think it's just really cool that they're using it for this set i personally think it's a lot better than some of the art that was used on the blu-ray set that was really hit and miss for me so really happy with the packaging on it and then another thing that i was really happy about that i didn't wasn't expecting or didn't have any idea that was going to be included the special features disc for each movie um i can only mainly speak for this on the prequels but they include the special features that were on the dvds so it's a combination of the blu-ray special features that were added for that release and with the old previous dvd special features which is really the meat of all the documentaries that were created for the prequels which is really great to finally have on one Mm -hmm. special feature disc. I was really surprised by that, but really thankful to see it on there. So that was a really, really cool addition to get. And then the menus too. I really love the menus that they created for this set. They're brand new. They're, I want to say they're using the same music that plays for each movie on the Blu-ray disc. I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure they might be the same. But there's, instead of it's kind of like in the Blu-rays where it was a hologram projecting scenes for each, the movie you are watching. This one is just one background image, which is cool. It's a poster like design. And then they're playing scenes from the movie. I just think it really looks cool as far as the different images they use for the characters and what scenes they picked. And when you add the music that's playing, I just really like how it looks. So overall the set and packaging is really nice. And for the quality of it, now I'm going through them very slowly, not nearly as fast as Paul is, <laughs> but I did watch Phantom Menace a couple of nights ago that was that looked great to me there were certain little details i really didn't even notice on watching the blu-rays and maybe you guys have but one thing that stood out to me just on the coloring when anakin turns on c-3po for the first time and he's walking around there's these green lights that are glowing and flashing around inside him and i'm sure they've always been there right they stood out to me for the first time watching this release like i never noticed there was these kind of blinking moving lights going on in c-3po there and that is Lighting effects and details on the lightsabers looked amazing. It sounded great. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Phantom Menace has the greatest lightsaber sound mix ever, and it's even better on 4K. So <clears throat> I really loved watching it. And I <clears throat> did pop in Revenge of the Sith because, Paul, you told me to check out a specific scene, which was um, Anakin really mm. turning to the dark side and yeah. pledging himself to Sidious. Because you told me how Sidious's face on one side was really darkened than what it used to be on the Blu-ray. And I noticed that right away <laughs> when she told me I popped it in watched that whole scene. It looked great. It was definitely darker. And then I popped in the Blu-ray to compare. It is definitely brighter on the Blu-ray and a little more grainy. But the 4K with that those more black colors being highlighted really has yeah. that darkened tone, a lot sharper. So mm-hmm. that looked great. And I'm sure all the other ones are going to look great, too. So I'm oh. excited to watch the rest. I'm going in order as I think anyone who buys the set should. (laughs) It is the Skywalker Saga Mm -hmm. box set, one to nine. So you got to watch them that way, even though I'm going very slowly. But so far, the ones that I've seen, they look really, really good. So I'm excited to watch them
0: all. Yeah. So I've, I've watched up into, I've watched up into the Force Awakens. I fell asleep, not because I don't like the movie. I just fell asleep because I was extremely tired. got three hours sleep the night before. I've saw most of the Force Awakens up to, up to that in 4K. And, I have to say, the my TV settings were messed up, so I had a really weird, long story short, I had to, I had to fix them. So I, I saw basically the whole prequel trilogy was with a little bit of off of settings, like it wasn't as bright as I needed it to be, it was a little too dark. That being said, um, I did watch some like greatest hits uh, scenes just to get kind of like, you know, what what I was missing and it didn't it wasn't as as altering as i thought it was going to be it definitely enhanced certain scenes a little bit better the phantom menace i think looks it's probably i would say that the second if not equal to revenge of the sith as far as the quality i think the phantom menace in 4k looks great uh I think that the, 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 I had a few issues with a couple scenes that were a little too dark, at least in the settings that I had. And then when I put, went back and watched some of those scenes in, uh, like in the forest that I had a complaint, I had complaints about with my different setting, it looked much better. And it was, it was really good. I got the Dolby Atmos app on my, um, on my phone and, uh, or my phone, excuse me, on my Xbox, and I, my friend told me to listen to it with headphones. Even regular headphones, it would it would really you know use that Dolby Atmos uh, sound. And I listened to that, and I gotta tell you, the whole mix on that whole movie is phenomenal. Not just the lightsabers, but the but the pod racers, it was incredible. I it should sounds... do
2: that one day. Watch them all with headphones.
0: Oh, right. it was phenomenal, dude. With Dolby, it's only, it's like it's like seventeen bucks, but. They say it's it say it's legit works and you don't need special headphones, just need like you know over-the-ear headphones, it'll be fine. And it sounded great. They all sounded great, to be honest. But the Phantom Menace and Revenge of the Sith sounded really good, I thought. Um, but yeah, I thought the Phantom Menace looked great. I thought that it was way better than I was anticipating. And then uh, Attack of the Clones, I thought was looked fine. It was I know that's been criticized the, the most out of all the, the 4K sets, because obviously that these movies were filmed in the 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 movie movie itself was filmed in 2k like that's you know and and obviously in film you have a lot more uh uh accessibility to enhance the the quality of the picture as you know i don't know the the exact details but basically that's what digital does a little more limiting and and when he filmed it he filmed it in like these two these 2k cameras so the fork so when they when you're watching in 4k it's an actual literally they just, they just put it through a a 4k processor or enhancer and that's it i know revenge of the sith has a it's the same kind of thing but it's a little the cameras were a lot more advanced so it looks a little bit better and that is the case revenge of the sith looks great and 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 i think it's i think it's a, a greatly shot movie to be honest um one of the things that you know i mean tim were talking about was that the fact that the the dark i think a lot of the atmospheric things and just in 4k alone that i think people if you're wondering what what's the difference between 4K and Blu-ray and and the the i've always said the difference is not as jarring as from DVD to Blu-ray but a lot of the detail and atmosphere is is lost within the, the Blu-ray compared to the 4K because the Blu-ray is going to brighten everything up and it's just one and it, and it looks great Blu-ray doesn't look bad i don't think but 4K it's a lot more dynamic and the atmosphere is added a lot more with those dynamics and with one of the dynamics we're talking about where this is the little things like Sheev's face when he's talking to Anakin, George shot that with he wanted more of a shadowy face on on Sheev. Well, on the Blu-ray, that app, that kind of dynamic and atmosphere is is lost because of how much it's brightened and how much you know it's grainy, as you said, Tim, in the 4K, it's there. And you see it in other scenes when he's talking. You can barely see his eyes or his face because his hood is covering his – the shadow is covering his face. But if you watch in the Blu-ray, it's a lot brighter. You see it a lot better. But a lot of that is kind of gone in the way that George shot it. And I, I think it's purposeful. So the 4K really brings a lot of that atmosphere and dynamics alive that I think are great. That's, that's why I love 4K because these movies that I love – Those things are important to me because I love dynamics and atmosphere. Uh, So I think the prequel trilogy looks good. Uh, I got to tell you, A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back look phenomenal. They are the best I've ever seen them. I don't think I've ever seen A New Hope look as good as it did on 4K.
2: They stood out to me on the digital versions on Disney+, Plus. so I can only imagine on the physical disc of how much Mm -hmm. better it's going to look. So that's great to hear.
0: Yeah, and I've I've watched the digital versions of a little bit of, of of Empire, but I've seen most of A New Hope on Disney Plus, and and it looked good. But this to me, and, and if you know, physical isn't a trump di- digital right now. Regardless, it's and it's been proven. I looked online, you re- look, read reviews, the, the the quality picture is is phys- is, is a statistical, one hundred percent improvement. Like it's 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 or no, 100, you know it's, it's 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 better. It's a it's a it's a. It's a better picture regardless of what you think or whatever and i gotta tell you it's hands down you you can tell immediately this is not a stream this is beautiful it is the best the best i've ever seen that movie and i know we can always say that for every new release but i can tell you right now that i I was blown away how good it looked i was blown away and i thought i was i was captivated honestly and uh, I thought uh, Hot or excuse me, Empire Strikes Back looked great. It looked, it felt. Again, you see a lot of the more dynamics you get in that in in Rebel in the Hoth Rebel, Rebel base. You see, uh, Cloud City Besbin looks phenomenal, and again, all the lights. It just, oh, it it looks great, guys. I, I have to say, those two in particular are incredible. Return of the Jedi looked good too, but the as far as the quality it didn't jump out as much as A New Hope and Empire. or uh, yeah, Empire, A New Hope and Empire, they jump at you. You're like, oh man, this looks incredible. Whereas Return of the Jedi looks like a, a you know, you see the improvement, but it's not as giant as an improvement as I think as those two. Those two, are, are, they look great. And obviously the sequel trilogy, as I've only seen Force Awakens, the Force Awakens looks good. It, it doesn't blow me away on, on 4K, but I will say that um, when I fell asleep, I was getting to the Starkiller base slash Illum, and, uh, the little bit I saw of the snow battle in 4k that I woke up to looked pretty dang good. I'm not going to lie. It was probably, it looked pretty awesome. So I'm, I'm excited to kind of pick up where I left off, maybe even the night before I go to sleep or tomorrow before, before I uh, watch last Jedi. I mean, I'll, I'll do that, but it, the, the Force Awakens looked okay. It, uh, that's why when i when i said the the rise of skywalker is probably the best looking 4k as of right now i the force awakens didn't you know didn't didn't blow me away but rise of skywalker looked great i'm i'm very interested to see what this new uh 4k or hdr 10 looks like instead of dolby vision uh for for uh, last jedi but like i said we'll see i i i probably think will be rise of skywalker last jedi force awakens as far as quality or 4k quality as as that goes so yeah i think this box set looks great Uh, i like tim i I think that it's a little unfortunate that death star was put on the skywalker saga picture but you know what i I will say this though i think i think it looks great even though i I wish i would have got a couple different pictures maybe i think it looks cool i love seeing that it's called the skywalker saga and really quick yeah i just just have to say that in in 10-15 years We're going to look at the Skywalker saga differently because we're going to have other people's sagas or other sagas in Star Wars that's not going to be the Skywalker saga. And what I mean by that is that it's going to be its own thing. Right now, the Skywalker saga essentially is the only thing in Star Wars, right? It's the only Skywalker. We think of Star Wars. We we already automatically think the Skywalkers. And with the Mandalorian, it's kind of the first thing where it's like its own thing it's not skywalkers it's it's the mandalorian and it's the mandalorian saga if you will right well as we go on we're going to have other film sagas and other storylines it's going to go in and we'll have different box sets of that we'll have the mandalorian series box set which yes i still think we'll get that eventually even even though digital is you know more powerful and more popular than ever and physical is dwindling never underestimate us collectors right tim but yeah, you, even you, when you say
2: you're not going to get it, you end up getting it anyway. So. Yeah,
0: <laughs> so so, and, and I know I'm going long with it. I apologize, Cal, but really fast, I just want to say for the record, it's going to be cool to have different box sets. What I'm trying to say of like Skywalker Saga, the Mandalorian Saga, then you'll have the Old Republic or High Republic sagas. Like you're going to have different like film series, and it's going to be cool because the Skywalker Saga will be its own thing in the midst of this giant, you know, Star Wars, you know, infinite tales or whatever. So. I'm really excited to have – the Skywalker saga just – the fact that they label it the Skywalker saga just shows you that how much it's going to be its own thing. And I think it's really cool that we're, there's going to be other sagas to be told within Star Wars. That's not just the Skywalkers. There's going to be other cool things. So I just think it's really cool that it's called the Skywalker saga, and it's just nice to have that as like its own thing. So, yeah, I think it's, I, if you have the money, I know things are tight right now, but if you guys can afford it, I'd say it's worth it 100%.
1: Yeah, I, I probably will end up picking that up eventually somewhere down the road. Once I have See, right now I don't even own a 4K TV. Um, but once I get probably right. like a 4K TV and like the next generation Xbox that I'm sure is going to be able to play 4K Blu-rays on it, um, I might have to pick that up. But I was going to share one quick story about as far as 4K releases. So uh, like I said, I don't own a 4K TV, but we're actually staying with my in-laws right now uh, just for a couple months while this whole you know, pandemic thing blows over because we were actually supposed to move this month into a new apartment. And we're like, well, now it's probably not the best time to be signing a lease on a new place when like, we don't know what's going to happen with our jobs and the economy and whatever. So, um, so we're staying with my wife's parents right now and they've got a really nice, like big 70 inch 4k TV in their living room. Um, and now it's one of those, like it's mounted to the wall And they just watch stuff, you know, it's a smart TV, so they just watch stuff on, like, Netflix and Hulu and Disney Plus and whatever. Uh, So it doesn't have a Blu-ray player hooked up, so I couldn't, you know, watch those 4Ks on it even if I had them. Um, But it's my first time, like, obviously I've watched some of the movies that are on Disney Plus and stuff, and those are in 4K, but I wasn't watching them on a 4K TV. So this has been, like, my first time actually seeing those in true 4K on a big, you know, 4K display and i was watching return of the jedi the other day and it's funny cuz it looks really good and you think like oh it's you know just awesome how much crisper and it adds more detail to it and stuff like that but it kind of ruined one scene for me um not completely but i just thought this was kind of funny it's during the the lightsaber duel with luke and vader in palpatine's chambers and when luke is up on the bridge and then vader throws the saber at him you know and then luke is hiding and you know they're walking around like in the dark and vader's you know, kind of, he's trying to tempt him to the dark side and it's when he, he realizes that Leia is his sister and all that stuff. Um, and you know, Vader's just like walking around in the shadows and Luke's hiding from him. Right. Well, on the 4k, you can see that in a lot more sort of crisp detail and it's, I don't know if they brightened it or it's just like, like you can see a lot more detail in the space as Vader's walking around and you realize it's not that big a room like they're just kind of in the space under like the platform that Palpatine's throne is on. And so I'm watching it in 4k and going, where the heck is Luke hiding in here that Vader can't find him? Cause this is like a really small (laughs) space with a couple of pillars. And it always has just looked like he's just walking around in the dark with a bunch of shadows. But once you see it in 4k, you can kind of see more detail and realize there's nowhere he could hide in there that Vader wouldn't find him by just peeking his head around a corner.
2: (laughs) I would specifically watch, um, that scene on disney plus yet in 4k for return of the jedi so now i'm going to be looking out for that to see if i feel the same way if it's any different uh, but yeah funny. and
0: speak and, and really quickly it reminded me speaking of palpatine Sheev um in the 4k i'm curious when you get there too uh tim and even you i, I think you probably tell us on the on the i think this 4k stream kyle that Sheev's face the makeup is astounding. It looks phenomenal. And I think it's always looked great, but you really see the detail in this, in this 4k, in my opinion,
2: you're talking about return of the Jedi.
1: Yeah. Return of the Jedi. You see, I mean, you see, yeah, I did.
2: I feel
0: like I did notice more
1: detail in that as well.
0: And not, not a bad way. It looked great, but you see, you really can tell like it, how nutty it looks. And it's crazy. I was, I was a little taken aback by it, to be honest. I I was like, Oh, like, why is Sheev's face like so like prominent? Oh, Are like, we just exclusively
1: for- calling him Sheev now?
0: I've always called him Sheev. Now, well, now, now, I, I, in <laughs> fact, I was even I I was well I was thinking about this today. I've been calling him Sheev on a regular basis for the most part, like since you know since basically it was announced, and I actually even tweeted that out, and so. Um, when it like back in 2015, so I actually re-quote tweeted me saying that, going, "Man, I've been calling him Sheev for a long time. Um, I love calling him Sheev, but uh, yeah, no, yeah, he, I actually
2: want to get in the habit of calling him Sidious more instead of just, yeah. Yeah. because no, he's a Sith Lord. That's, that's everything fair. is about is being a Sith, and that's a Sith yeah. name, so it should refer to him as Sidious more. Yeah, he's See, yeah like I feel five like five I
1: minutes. refer to him as Sidious more when we're talking about the prequels, and yeah. then when you're talking yeah,
0: about the, the OT, I call but him Emperor we Palpatine do for, for all of them yeah
1: right, well,
2: they don't even call him palpatine in the original trilogy so. yeah <laughs> I I know, just for... yeah
0: well so just anyway I'll, I'll just end with the fact that if you if you already noticed the cow tim just check it out on the disc because it really stood out to me in a good way it was really really cool but it, it, you see that detail even more now
1: yeah so. um well yeah i mean obviously it's it's great that those are out there now i know paul you've been wanting that for a long time getting all those 4k releases um and hopefully i'll get to check out those eventually because i'm still a big believer like as much as i like the convenience of just being able to watch stuff on disney plus i still i know that you know i, I like that picture quality on a, a physical disc that you don't quite get from that uh, yeah. online stream um, but just remember
0: that box set is a best buy exclusive and it is it doesn't say it's limited but if it's exclusive to one provider it's probably limited so hmm. Just keep that in mind. If you don't care about getting the box set, just want to get them individually, it's whatever.
1: But oh, well, yeah. I mean, if they're all available elsewhere anyways, I don't care about having one box set, although it is more convenient to have that on your shelf. But I don't know. We'll see. Like I said, that's not a huge concern for me right now. But um, you know, um hopefully at some point I'll be able to get those. Uh, and Rogue
0: One was released on 4K too, and it looks great. Yeah. That's all I need to say about that.
1: It um, does look good. But moving on from the, uh, the the movie home video stuff, um, now have we all read the novel, Paul? Have you read it yet? Oh no, you, no, said, you, you said you haven't, right? Okay, so it's just me and Tim. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But Tim, what did you think of the the Rise of Skywalker novelization and how that compared to what we got in the movie?
2: Yeah, I loved it. Just like I loved the movie. <laughs> so obviously, going into it, I was excited to not only see and read what i loved in the movie but see what the new stuff that enhances it and there is a few key moments that i felt really enhanced certain scenes that i loved already but just kind of brought it home a little more so and going into it obviously we knew kind of about the big reveals but you can argue that it was hinted and implied in the movie already but palpatine being a clone body and the birth, the details on the birth of the sun being revealed in there. So I kind of knew that stuff going in, but that wasn't the stuff that stood out for me the most. There was two keys. Well, one of them I felt really key, but one of them, another one is what I really wish was in the movie because not even knowing it was in the book, but just seeing what happens in the movie, I thought it would have been cool to get this scene in there. But the fact that it was something, cause this was in the art book too. So I don't know if it was filmed, but it was probably something they were planning, but I always felt it was kind of a missed opportunity in the movie for when Chewie gets captured and is aboard the First mm-hmm. Order of Star Destroyer that we didn't get a scene with him and Kylo Ren. And we did in the book, though. And it was pretty great. And I'm going to throw out spoiler warnings here for those who were planning to read it and haven't read it yet. going to go into a little bit of detail what happens in this moment because it was kind of what I was hoping for. Obviously, it wasn't going to be a happy reunion <laughs> between the two characters, but it kind of showed... Um, where they're at now, but also their history. Because Kylo Ren wants to interrogate Chewie to find out what their mission is and where they're going. And so he uses his Force Mind Probe that he used on Poe and tried to use on Rey. And once we, he does that, he starts seeing flashbacks and memories of his time with Chewie. And it's kind of moments that us as fans always pictured and wanted the kind of that relationship to be where Chewie was kind of like the fun uncle for Ben growing up. We see him. Um, if I remember remembering right, I know there was moments where he shows him kind of showing how to shoot a blaster or even taking him out to flying on certain occasions. So just the stuff you would expect Chewie to do with a young Ben Solo growing up um, was implied that that happened as Kylo Ren was probing his mind. and was getting flashbacks to these memories. So it was just really great getting that type of information. And then also Ben or I should say Kylo Ren (laughs) at this moment telling Chewie you know he didn't forget that um, he shot him in The Force Awakens and kind of saying the excuse as far as that's the only way Ray could have beaten me in there so still kind of shoving that grudge for what Chewie did to him there but just seeing them both face to face kind of having a conversation with each other I thought was great and I really hope that is something that was filmed and was cut but will be on the potential future release of the Rise of Skywalker 4K Blu-ray that you believe is happening, Paul, and I really hope it is because that would be something I really want to see deleted or otherwise. So that was a great standout moment for me in the book. But then the big one for me wasn't necessarily anything that was newly added, but just how it was described the moment where Leia connects with Ben Solo in that moment and brings him back or begins the process of bringing him back to the light side. I mean this was something we talked about on our 7 hour episode as far as if enough was shown in the movie and we weren't exactly sure what Leia did but this one makes it pretty clear on what happened. And I thought it was just beautifully done the build up to it cuz there were some great moments where Luke was communicating with Leia before this kind of telling her this is it's time Leia this is your final um act to do and it was to show her son that she still loves him and was there for him because i thought that's what was great about it it really drove home the point that ben solo believes nobody is there from his past wanting him back his mother doesn't want him back luke didn't want him back han didn't want him back so all that stuff that snoke used to poison his mind for bringing the dark side and thinking there was nothing there from him from his past life and his family that was proven wrong when Leia used her last bit of strength to connect with him and just to say his name and to know that she's there or she was walking him in the back type of thing. And that's the first part of what established him becoming to the light side. And the other part was with Ray healing him. Just those two acts of kindness shown to him that he never thought was there or never thought was possible. So I really like that how that was described and done in the novel. Just beautifully done. And also just how... Leia, her thought process going into that moment and knowing this was going to be it for her and her time on the physical realm. Obviously, she's going into the cosmic side of the Force uh, pretty soon, but her reflecting on the legacy she's leaving. And there is this moment right before that that I really love as far as the legacy she's leaving for several characters and her name, Skywalker, Organa, Solo, and how each character she's leaving on a legacy Ray's taking on the Skywalker legacy. I believe she said Poe is taking on the Organa side of her being the general and the leader. And for Solo, see, I'm blanking on who's actually, she mentioned a name as far as who's taking on that one, but I just loved how. I think it might've, it might've just been Ben, wasn't it? Maybe in that redemption or yeah, to bring him back as a solo, I guess for, as her son. I think that is right. But I did like, that thought process of her going into that because it was something that she knew had to come, but she was hesitant to do it. And Luke was kind of there to comfort her and say, this is the right path and thing for you to do. And another thing too, that I like as far as why this would cost her life is because it detailed how her saving herself in the last Jedi, um, coming back from space, that kind of exhausted her. And even though she healed up and she was never the same after that physically, where most of her strength never was fully recovered and her body really couldn't take too much more as far as using the force. And again, going back to that whole thing of that long distance of using the force to commune or connect with someone, it does take a toll on your body. And when Leia's body is already kind of weakened from what she did in the last Jedi, this is going to be it for her. She was going to make this one final move to communicate with Ben. This was going to be it. So all that stuff going into it, I just really appreciated. And it just really made me love that scene even more because that whole moment, the moment that lightsaber duel begins to the moment Ben Solo chucks the his cross lightsaber into the oceans, probably my favorite moment of the movie. And it's up there. It's one of my favorites of the saga now. And I think the novel did a great job of just expanding that and just really driving home just I think the emotional core of it, the sacrifice that Leia is making for her son, Ben, and how Ben reacts to that. And how that started his redemption and coming back to the light side. So those two things were kind of my standouts, even though there were some other small stuff here and there. I do like how the book started. We got a little more into Luke and Leia's training. They were having some fun with each other, kind of making fun and taking jabs (laughs) at each other. So that was cool to see too. So just a lot of great stuff in the book that just made me love the story that was told for this final chapter in the Skywalker saga. So I was really, really happy with it.
1: Yeah, I I was happy with it as well. Um, And coming from someone who doesn't love The Rise of Skywalker, and I actually was looking forward to the book because I had a lot of issues with the movie that I was hoping would be expanded on, or you know, just things that would be explained better, or things that I thought should have been in the movie that weren't. That you know, I was like, well, I hope that's in the book. Um, And I think you kind of hit the nail on the head because I would say the two best things about the book. are the way it expands the character of Leia, which obviously you can't really fault the movie for that because, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of stuff in the book that I'm like, well, it's not like this is a deleted scene that I wish was in there because they they didn't have footage of Carrie Fisher saying these things. Um, but it really does a great job of expanding her character. I mean, there's, uh, you know, more dialogue between her and Ray. There's entirely new scenes with her, with... uh You know, just talking to different members of the resistance or just kind of having her own internal dialogues and reflecting back on her life and her legacy, like you were talking about, or whether she's communing with Luke through the force. Um, It really does expand more on sort of her own like force training. And and you can almost I mean, it it came off for me, believable enough in the movie um, that she could be the one training Rey now, but it also did kind of seem like a big step. Like, we go from really kind of seeing her use the Force for the first time that we've seen on screen in The Last Jedi to, like, oh, now she's a master training Rey in the ways of the Force now in Rise of Skywalker. Um, But the book expands on that a lot more. Um, You get a lot more of the history of her own training. Like you said, there's some new scenes with her and Luke, you know, in the past in there. So I like that stuff a lot. I think the book really does... A, a good service to the character of Leia. Um, and again, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to say in a way that the movie should have, cause they were limited. Um, and that's obviously totally understandable, but um, I think I, I like to think if, if Carrie Fisher were still with us, the book does a lot more things that they maybe could have done with the movie or that JJ would have liked to do. Um, so it was nice that you get that expansion of her character in there. And then also I love the additional, Uh, stuff with Ben Solo, like you said, the moment where he's interrogating Chewie and you see those flashbacks to, you know, just the, the moments that they shared together earlier in life. Um, I think there's a moment like that later in the book too. Oh, it's when Lando is, uh, when Lando gets on the Falcon for the first Mm -hmm. time and he finds like a secret compartment that Han had built into Chewie's quarters and he's like, no, nah, I shouldn't go in there. But, hey, this used to be my ship and I'm curious and I'm just poking around and I want to see what's become of all this. And so he, he's curious about what's in this this closet or whatever. And uh, it's just some of Chewie's personal belongings. And he has a hologram projector in there that has an image of him and Ben um, when he was like just a baby or a little toddler or something. And, there was you know, just some of those moments that get you right in the feels like,
2: oh, man. Um yeah, just knowing that Chewie didn't fully give up on Ben either. Yeah. Because he still had that in there holding out hope that he could go back to being that person again. So a lot of stuff was great. Yeah, definitely. Um
1: there was also a lot of stuff that I really liked just in terms of um You know, some of the the explanation and the backstory and stuff, I mean, and some of the things that had been leaked or or kind of teased before the book actually came out, whether it was Palpatine being a clone or even the reveal of like Ray's father being a Palpatine clone and stuff like that. Things that kind of got some fans up in a tizzy, like when somebody had just leaked like a paragraph from the novel on Twitter and everybody goes, oh my gosh, this is so stupid or whatever. Like reading it in the full context, I was like, this is fine. Like, and I'm actually glad that we get this expanded backstory. I mean, there's a scene where Rey kind of has like a full vision of the entire backstory of what happened to Palpatine from the end of Mm -hmm. Return of the Jedi. And so I was like, I'm glad, like, I was glad to get that explanation. But also I'm like, I totally understand why that wasn't in the movie, because I, I think... A lot of the stuff that I enjoyed getting explained in the book, like to explain it in the movie the way that the book explains it, they would have just had to rely way too much on exposition or flashbacks because there's a lot of information that's revealed to the audience by Ray just kind of like realizing it through the force or having visions of it or whatever. Um and there's already quite a few flashbacks and visions and stuff in the movie, and I mean, it would that would have taken up like half the movie if they included all this stuff in here, but it was nice to get that additional context and explanation added in the book. Um, that said, I mean, it didn't fix all my issues, like, it's still the same story, and it's not like I just had a couple little nitpicks here or there, like... And, you know, I, I know I talk a lot about things that I want to explain more or more details on or whatever, but I think I've come to realize, like, at the end of the day, the story is just not my favorite, and I'm okay with that. Um, so the book expanded on a lot of things and did – like, I, I would say overall, based on just the content of it, I enjoyed the book more than the movie um, because it included just a lot of great stuff that I, like I said, either wish was in the movie or I understand why it wasn't, but I liked that the book expanded on it, but it's still – the same story it doesn't radically change anything um for me the big moment that i was looking forward to is the one that you were talking about where Re- or where leia reaches out to ben during that lightsaber duel and for me that still just kind of didn't hit the mark i mean it does expand on it more and i also really like like you said that explanation of how and it's it's brief but the fact that they mention that leia got sucked out into space and ever since then it's taken a toll on her body and her You know, her strength hasn't been what it used to be. And then you get these moments leading up to that moment where Luke is talking to her through the Force saying, Leia, it's time. Um, You know, kind of telling her, like, that her time is at an end and it's time for her to to come and become one with the Force. And she's like, no, not yet. Like, I still have stuff to do. Um, And so I like the build-up to that. And that is something that I wish had been included in the movie. Even a line from... You know, Conix or Snap or just, you know, Rose, somebody at the resistance base talking about Leia losing her strength or being sick or something like that, Mm -hmm. because it seems so abrupt during that lightsaber fight when she just, like, drops her headphones and walks off and Maz is like, oh, this is going to take all the strength she has left. It's like, wait, since when, like, what? Um and it's funny, so I actually watched, I rewatched the movie today before we recorded because I wanted to be able to talk about, like, okay, now that I've read the book, does it change my opinion on the movie at all? Um, and honestly, not really. Like, I enjoyed the book, but there was nothing that was like, you watch the movie and it's like, okay, now having read the book, it's like, oh, that's what was going on here. Um, the book to me is almost kind of like its own thing. Um, or it's it's a good expansion of the movie, but it's, I mean, the movie is still kind of the same to me um but when we got to that moment uh where you know she like during that lightsaber duel where she just kind of drops her stuff and walks off it felt almost more abrupt to me because having that that context really? in the book. <laughs> well because having like i'm used to i was used to the book building up to that moment and so then when the movie mm-hmm. it's just there i was like wait oh th- already th- uh, okay I, you know like i i forgot that it was like that abrupt in the movie so um but yeah, so I mean, I liked that the that the book expanded on that more and um, kind of gave you more context, not just building up to it of how her strength had been leaving her or whatever, but um, also in that moment, it kind of explains more about, like you said, what's going through her head and and her legacy of all these characters that she's leaving behind Um And then kind of goes into a little bit more detail of how she's using the Force to project herself. But it was still – like I I guess – I don't know what I was hoping for, that there would maybe be a little bit more of an extended scene where she maybe gets to talk to Ben or maybe he sees her or something like that. But still, the fact that she expended all this energy just to say his name and that was enough to make him – i mean i i can understand why that that
2: wasn't it though it was like the start of it because that's what i appreciated the book really did where it made clear of her intentions it was just to let ben know that she's still there for him and would if he decided to come back would welcome him back this to show ben that he can go back if he wanted to and that opened the door for then when ray did that other act of kindness to heal him knowing that the, the realization where he does have people out there who would actually who care for him and to bring Ben back to the light. So I did like how it just made that clear where it, what kind of what we're talking about in the review episode where we were debating, is she a part of Ben now? Did she transfer her life to him or does some? There's all this debate. Well, it makes it clear that that exactly doesn't is. happen. But I never really yeah. thought that that was the case. Me anyways. neither. Nope. Was, I mean, I could easily understand why someone would think that, though, as far as yeah, what exactly she did in that moment.
1: Especially the fact that she her body doesn't disappear until his does, which mm-hmm. the book doesn't explain that at all.
2: No, I, um, I don't think it even mentioned it. Actually, I was no. waiting for that moment at the end. It didn't even say when Ben died that Leia's body disappeared, too. It didn't mention that at all. No, I don't think it did. Um,
0: so if, if I may, if I may, I think that that could have been a last minute decision. And as far as that idea to have both of them disappear, which I still love, I love, and again, I love the mystery behind that whole mythical or mythological idea that, that is Leia tied to Ben. I mean, even the Empress himself says the the princess of Alderaan has altered my plan. Like, he senses it through the Force and knows she does something through the Force that alters everything. And Kylo Ren was a big part of that. And so her sacrificing herself into Ben, whatever that is, and again, it can be interpreted very different differently. And I love that. And I love the fact that you don't know exactly how it works, but she is somehow tied to Ben. And when he sacrifices himself, she does as well. I love that. We don't yeah. know exactly verbatim. And again, some people like that. Like me and Tim, and some people hate that. They want a PowerPoint presentation of exactly how it works, like you and Sean. But that's fine. Hey, so I don't know, want a guys...
1: PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> Look, Paul, you can't. You can't tell me I want a PowerPoint presentation when this is the exact same way that you feel about Luke in the Last Jedi turning on Ben. It's well,
2: the exact the same is, thing.
0: It's not. It's it's so not. Yes, it's
2: it
1: is. So
0: not. Yes, it is. Kyle, hold on. Someone, okay, it's one thing to allude to something right to allude like at least part of a mystery of an idea of like something that's a mythical yeah, a, a mythological alternate uh force thing again it's all the spiritual aspects compared to a literal character attempting to murder their nephew in the middle of the night that is a vastly different thing
2: there you go with that attempted murder. Exactly. He didn't <laughs> attempt to murder him. But,
0: but, but hold on. It's the, the whole point is that one thing is meant to be interpreted differently, and but one thing is not. It's actually just the way they present it. That's the difference.
1: Mm, no, because when we did our last Jedi commentary, see, Tim and I are both on the same page as far as what's going on in that scene. And you said, well, I think it can be interpreted differently, and I don't like that. And that's how I feel about this. You think it's a good thing that it can be interpreted differently. I don't. I think it needs but, to be clear what's going but, on here, but
0: dif- but the difference is is that that is not a major story beat. About, yes, it, it is, is about how, No, it's not, because you're you're talking about the definition of why Luke is in the, his position and Kylo Ren's in his position.
1: It's the whole crux of the freaking trilogy. That, wait, 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 and wait, wait, and and of- and, oh, and, oh. and the death of Leia and the redemption of Ben Solo is not the crux of this movie. Of the movie, no, it's not. It
2: absolutely is.
0: It's not. What it's called, Rise of Skywalker, not the death
1: of Ben Solo in the but movie. But it Prince is pretty Leia. darn
2: important, though. I will agree, it's not the. This crux, is, and but here's another reason th-
1: why I don't, why this moment doesn't work for me. It's like an intersection of three major character storylines and plot points. You have Rey struggling with the dark side, killing Kylo, then regretting it, then healing him, then running off. Then you have. You kill him. Then you have kill him. Kylo. Here, you know, pausing because he hears his mother's voice, so that, like, maybe makes him lean back towards the light side, then he gets stabbed, then he gets healed, and then he decides to redeem himself. And then you have the death of Princess Leia and her heroic sacrifice to do something to, like, reach out to Ben and just say his name, and that's what starts all this. And you have all of that happening within, like, 30 seconds, and you don't have time to process any of it or realize what just—the frick just happened. Um... So, yeah, it's – and I get that you guys like it and Uh it works for you, but for me it's just too much going on at once that I don't know. But anyway, that's that's Uh one moment that I was really hoping the book would kind of smooth out for me. And it did add a little bit more detail to it and make it – I don't know. It it was a little bit better done in the book than it was in the movie, but it, I still kind of had the same frustrations with it. The Last Jedi.
0: That scene, Kyle, was not meant to be ambiguous. Whereas the scene at the very right. end, right? And I don't think the... it
1: is ambiguous. Neither do I. Yeah.
0: <laughs> wait. About. Wait. What, what are you talking
2: about? As yes. far as wanting to know Luke, what Luke's intentions were going. Yeah, I know.
0: Right? No, no. Here's the, here's my point. Like Luke, like. See, some people think. See, this is where this is the this is is the problem with that scene in itself is the fact that it can be interpreted many different ways when it's not supposed to. Right. And that's how I feel about the scene in Rise of Skywalker. But Kyle, but Kyle, but Kyle, but the end (laughs) of Rise of Skywalker, it's meant to be ambiguous. That's the difference. One person attempted to do it as one clear way, but it was not clear. It's handled horribly and written horribly, in my opinion. At least you can say it's written horribly as far as Rise of Skywalker, but at least the intention is meant to be ambiguous. So at least you can get J.J. and A, Ontario, and A for the fact they actually got what they were going for, whereas Ryan didn't get what he was going for because he pretty much...
1: I don't I mean, think it, it's meant to be ambiguous though. I think they have an idea of what's going on and it's just not clearly communicated. Oh, no, I, I totally, I,
0: I yeah, I, I would love to get a general census on that. I wish we had like a giant, giant following just for things like this to settle, like where exactly Star Wars fans go. I, we have a yeah, good, well,
1: I don't think uh, you're going to get a general census on it because with yeah, both movies, the
0: opinion seems know. to
2: be split but, right but, down
1: the middle. But,
0: it might be, it might not be. See, I, I'm always surprised what's like, what's split and what's not split, to be quite honest. Because if I see something that like, to me, split is like between even if it's like 45, 50, or 50, you know, obviously if it goes 60, 40 or 40, 60, I think that's not split. It's probably predominantly at that point. It's close, but, you know, majority of people, one way or another, I would be curious if like it was like a 30, 70 or something like that, where I'm like, man, that's a, you know, because if most people think it's not, it's not ambiguous, I'd be shocked. To be quite honest. I think it's so obviously
1: meant to be, at, at least. But here's least the thing. A, Even if you think it's meant to be ambiguous, I disagree that that's a good idea. Like. See, I, I disagree. I, that's where I disagree with that. This
0: is where I think we're, we're, it's, we're, we have more common ground. I disagree with the fact that
1: I think it's great. It's ambiguous. And I hate because, it. I think but, but but when, you force, the, when you have the when you have the emotional crux of your movie, a major turning point for three different characters, you can't have it be ambiguous and go, hey, you figure out what happened. Sorry,
0: I keep unplugging my microphone. That's why I said Dagnabbit. It keeps being pulled out. Of my foot. <laughs> um, I, I see. I guess for me and again, I, I, I think that you like this stuff, too, in this way, Kyle. But I, the force, I like the fact that it is a, a little more of aloof in a in a sense to where it's not directly given to us all the answers. And I know George did. And I like the fact that also getting some answers. I love, I love, that's why I love the Clone Wars because I think George did a great job of answering some things with more questions. And I feel that's, Again, in my opinion, again, I think it's meant to be ambiguous, to give us a little more of an answer, but it's w- still ambiguous exactly what happened, because I think JJ and Chris Terrio have their idea of how it worked, but they wanted other people to kind of interpret it a certain way, because you can interpret it many different directions, and I think that's the whole point, because again, Ray doesn't... You could argue that Ray didn't even kill Kylo Ren, because she doesn't kill him, she... She definitely hurts him.
2: It was described as a mortal
1: wound. Exactly. Well, okay. If I, if I, I don't remember saying she killed him. If I did, obviously she didn't actually kill him because you don't see him die, but.
0: No, 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 but you meant, but I know what you meant, but that's the thing though, because when she stabs him, it's important to know, because, because you could interpret it as, And I don't think it's meant to be interpreted this way, but I think again, the way they wrote it in the way they designed it. And again, this is my opinion. I think you could interpret the fact that Leia not only affects Ben, but Leia as well, even though the book, may Wait, you mean say Ray? That. yeah, right. Yep. Sorry. Yeah. So Leia affects both Ben and Ray. Cause she, when she, oh, when yeah. she her, yeah. So that's my point is that like
1: that the book doesn't really state that I don't think. So with that, well, I think what the book states and also the way that I interpret the movie is I think Leia really is reaching out to Ben. And maybe she can sense through the force that he's with Ray at that moment, but really her intentions are focused on him. And I think yeah. I think Ray is caught up in her own thing. She's fighting him and she's been struggling with, you know, her her rage against Palpatine and wanting to kill him for killing her parents and then getting this Wayfinder. And now she's fighting Ben and she's mad at him because he destroyed the Wayfinder and she is. Sort of teetering on the edge, like toying with the dark side. Like she's given into these dark emotions. That's actually another thing that I really appreciated that the book did well was it did a better job of describing Ray's inner turmoil and her her struggling with the dark side cuz the first time I saw the movie especially at that point when she stabs him I was like wait is she supposed to like kind of be going dark here cuz I don't really see it whether in like the writing or Daisy's performance or whatever that just didn't really come across to me but the the book makes it pretty clear that like yeah throughout the movie even from the very beginning when she's like doing the Jedi training and she's having these dark visions and stuff and and kind of struggling with this, this inner demon that she knows is inside her. And then she finds out she's a Palpatine and she's like, oh, now I know why I've been feeling these things. Um, and she really kind of struggles with that. And so at that moment, you know, I, when she stabs him, I think she is, you know, that's her just giving into her rage and anger. And she's like, I want to be done with this guy. And when she comes to that realization, I don't think it's Leia reaching out to her, but I think she senses Leia's death through the force. Yeah, exactly. And and that just kind of snaps her out of it. And she realizes what she's done Mm -hmm. and realizes, and then she feels compassion on Ben because he's just lost his mother. And so, you know, that's why she heals him and everything.
2: At the same time, Leia could have realized that too, knowing her sacrifice would have that effect on Rey and to, you know, kind of bring her back to herself as well from going down that dark path and hopefully taking... Showing that compassion that she did show to Ben at that moment. Not necessarily yeah. everything beat for beat, that she know, but she obviously could have sensed what was going on in that fight and how Ray was feeling and sensing her anger at that moment and knowing her sacrifice probably would have snapped her out of that as well. But I, I agree with what you were saying, how it what she did was mainly for Ben and focused on Ben. But she probably would have realized the effect it would have had on Ray.
0: So, and that's, and that's my point is that we don't, it's not told to us. We don't know. And again, that's, I think that's purposeful in the storytelling. Whereas again, Last Jedi, it's literally Ryan trying to tell us, this is what happened. But the way he tells it makes it look really bad and and not great because it can be interpreted as someone coming in for a, you know, motivated killing or whatever. (laughs) In your opinion. uh, Dude, by a lot of people's opinions, it's, that's, and that's, again, that's the problem. If it was a, like me and like 10% of people, then that I'd feel like, well, yeah, but it's not. Like pe- there's a big portion of people out there that don't like that scene for many different reasons. And that definitely is one of them. So again, again, you can, you can disagree. I don't, you can disagree with me all you want, but the fact that if you can interpret a major part of that scene, that's not the intention of the scene. It's literally meant to be like, a certain way but it's designed and executed not that way that's not good execution but that's just my opinion
1: yeah well that's your opinion and in this case if i mean if you think this is ambiguous and they designed it to be ambiguous either first of all i think they had a clear idea of what was going on and just poorly executed it that's my my opinion but if they meant for it to be ambiguous, I think that's also a mistake. I mean, this really, if you think about it is kind of the culmination of the sequel trilogy. I know that's not entirely like the climax of this movie. Obviously there's Palpatine and Ray being a Skywalker and all that. The sequel trilogy was never building towards Palpatine. That's something they came mm. up with just for this yeah. movie. Okay. But what has been planted along the way, mm. uh, is th- the character of Kylo Ren and Ben Solo and whether or not he's going to be redeemed. Mm. Um, mm.
0: And did you get upset? In, did you get upset in *A New Hope* and *Return of the Jedi* when Yoda and Obi Wan disappeared and it wasn't explained?
1: <laughs>
2: well, that was a
0: little that's more completely oh! different. Oh, oh, I see. I see how it is. is it, no, you don't. Well, I'm just, i <laughs> just saying, I'm just saying, those are. It's meant to be ambiguous. You get the idea. You don't need a PowerPoint powerpoint presentation about it right so what i'm saying is with last jedi again that's the difference i'm talking about like you you may not like what they did again i'm not debating that i'm just saying that's the same thing it's it's not i mean it's literally not the same thing as that they all disappear at the end but it's like that they don't overly explain what's going on it is do it they let you interpret it like oh this guy is giving himself to the force or when you, when Obi-Wan disappears and he talks to Luke, you know, via the, the voice or whatever, we don't need to have that explained. Like, what exactly did Obi-Wan go through? And it made him do that. Like, we don't need to know that. That's the whole that's the whole idea. We interpret that Obi-Wan was in tune with that or whatever. Right. So to me. But again, you mean out? you don't have to like that. That's fine. You can say like, I don't like the fact that Leia did that. I think that's dumb. That's fine.
1: But it's not see, even just the fact that Leia did that like I said I think my main issue is there's just too much happening all at once in that scene and to me it's it's sloppy I execution I wouldn't say it's sloppy execution it's just you don't like what they did I I, I'm say saying in my opinion it's sloppy execution it's not sloppy you just don't like the story decision I think it's that, sloppily executed.
0: It's not, it's not sloppy. How
1: That's you your you opinion. See? I'm entitled uh, to mine. Uh, Next topic.
2: Uh,
0: <laughs> oh my gosh.
2: Can I say one more thing that I liked about the novel? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
2: Now, hey. Even from our long episode, we knew we were going to come back to that moment eventually and talk about it some more. I think we are once we do our Rise of Skywalker commentary. We'll probably be talking about that scene long I'm, after it's I'm going to leave the room I'm, during I'm, that I'm, scene I'm in stopping. the commentary yeah because you'll just be hearing me and paul gush about it probably <laughs> i'm not going
0: to say anything everyone's already heard me talk about this scene i apologize that t- t- or uh, Kyle, thank you for letting me g- go off about that i appreciate that
2: but going off of that moment where she heals him i do like how the book showed how she learned how to do that it was of course from the jedi journals that she took from octo but the way she how she learned to do it actually was through healing the kyber crystal for the skywalker lightsaber mm to bring that back and that kind of that with the studying of the Jedi books, she obviously didn't put it into practice until she had the opportunity to do it with the serpent, but to know the basics of what it involves and how to do it, she learned from healing the kyber crystal in the saber, which I thought was cool. And then she just took it obviously to the next level with healing Ben. And then Ben took it even further with actually bringing her back from the dead. So I just like how it all started from her healing that saber.
1: Yeah, that was definitely a cool addition. Um, also, just a, a little touch, I, I actually really liked seeing that, like, again, just the way that it described how, after she heals Ben, the toll that that really takes on her, because in the movie, yeah. you mm-hmm. don't really see that, and it's like, in the beginning, she heals the snake, and she's like, ow, my hand hurts, because I gave up a little bit of life energy, Ben does it at the end, and obviously dies from it, and um, But, you know, after the lightsaber duel, it just kind of seemed like, oh, so she can heal him and just run off? Like, aren't you forgetting a part of it that you've already established? But that was made a lot more clear in the book. Um, And, I mean, there's a lot of other cool stuff where, like, Zori Bliss gets more stuff to do. There's a couple extra scenes with Lando. So, um, yeah, overall, like if you're like me and you were hoping, you know, you had a lot of issues with the movie that you were hoping would be expanded on or kind of smoothed over by the book. It definitely helps. It doesn't fix everything. Um, but there's a lot of cool new stuff added. And if you enjoyed the rise of Skywalker, I would definitely recommend reading the novel. Um, cause like I said, it's the same story, but just, uh, expands on it in a lot of kind of small, but meaningful ways that I think definitely kind of helps the story a bit. Yeah. Um, now, uh, have both you guys gotten the art book?
2: Yes,
0: yes, but I have not had a chance to really read it. I'm gonna try to get into it this weekend, but I'm kind of saving it to be honest. Um, obviously, if you guys don't want to talk about it, I've, I know I've seen a few things here or there, but I've heard it's kind of disappointing because a lot really? of Palpatine,
1: yeah, a lot of Palpatine stuff isn't in, in it,
0: yeah, and I think super what? brutal to be honest. And
1: and I was gonna say. I- I'll, I'll just talk about it real quick, because this is, I have that same gripe, too. Um, and I kind of have this gripe with a lot of the art books that, like, the, obviously, every Star Wars movie has, like, a big battle or, you know, some really exciting stuff at the end, and then when you get the art book, you're like, oh, man, I can't wait to see the concept art for that, and it's usually never in there, or it's kind of skimmed over. And usually, it's understandable because, like... The art books usually come out the day the movie comes out and they don't want spoilers leaking out and they don't want, you know, Barnes and Noble having a copy of this, you know, in their back storeroom like a week before the movie comes out and somebody takes pictures of it and leaks it online or whatever. Um, Like the Last Jedi art book, I couldn't wait to get to the concept art of Luke and Kylo fighting on Crait because that's just – beautiful imagery. And I wanted to see all the artwork of that. And it was, there was like this
2: one, <laughs> none of it,
1: or maybe like one image, but the rise of Skywalker book starts with all that. And yeah. then so they put in all the last Jedi stuff that they didn't include because of spoilers. And I really appreciated that, but they do the same thing here where they completely gloss over the ending of rise of Skywalker. Like there's some concept art of Exegol. There's maybe one or two pieces of concept art of like the battle at the end, but there's absolutely nothing of Palpatine, or, you know, Rey fighting Palpatine, or or Ben fighting the Knights of Ren, or any of that kind of stuff that happens at the end of the movie. Now, normally I'd be like, well, that's understandable, because it comes out the day the movie comes out, and they want to avoid spoilers, but they delayed this three months, and still didn't include any of that stuff, so that was a big disappointment for me, um but aside from that, and I haven't like read all the way through it. I mean, I've, I've flipped through and looked at pretty much all of the artwork, but I haven't like read all the stuff about the production and everything. So I got to go back and do that. Um, but obviously the artwork that is in there is gorgeous. Um, you know, there's a lot of cool, like alternate designs of stuff that you didn't get to see in the movie. And so it's always cool to see that creative process of like the different concepts that they came up with for things. And then obviously there's also a lot of um, you know, paintings and designs of things that are in the movie. And it's just cool to see those in, you know, just different rendered art forms and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I, I love the book for the content that is in there. There's just some stuff that it's missing that I feel like should have been in there, especially given the delayed release.
2: Yeah, I will definitely agree with that because that was, that was, slipping through the book when i first got it making my way towards the end i'm all oh, there's only a few pages left here and we haven't seen anything much on Exegol, let alone palpatine then i realized oh, eh, we're probably not getting anything of that which is disappointing i completely agree with it being delayed three months stuff like that should have been included especially when we're not getting an episode 10 spe- well at least not anytime soon so it wouldn't make yeah. sense to put all this stuff in here but i loved everything as far as Visually, in the artwork that we got in here, I haven't started reading it yet. I was waiting to finish the novel, which I have, so I should be starting to read this soon. But just from the very first page, I mean, how cool is that art of seeing Luke and Leia training in the forest at night with their helmets on and their lightsabers? That was the first piece of art that you see when you open the book. And I was like, oh man, I can't wait to see what's next in this. And there was a lot of great visuals, more of that scene, but also, of course, that we see into the movies, more cool trooper designs. I love some of the stuff that they had for the Sith Troopers. Not necessarily totally different, but just seeing the different artwork that they came up for their design was really cool. And there was also another shot that I really liked that was of Kylo Ren, where his helmet is cracked and you can kind of see the inside of his face. And it just reminded me of the Rebels episode Tried of The Apprentice where Ahsoka slashes Vader's helmet and you can see some of Anakin's face in there. It just really echoed that visual, which I thought looked really cool in that concept art. And then, like I said, the... Stuff we got of Ben and or Kylo Ren interrogating Chewie, which was in there, which was nice to see. And then we get more of that um, deleted scene, which I think is probably the most well-known one at this time of Kylo Ren and the Oracle on Mustafar. And seeing all those crazy designs of the spider creature on a giant baby head, which <laughs> not the biggest fan of. I do appreciate them going weird for that one, but... Don't think I would have been a big fan of that design seeing it on screen. I would have. I think it would have been cool if it was just a big like spider creature or something. But that giant baby head just looks a little too weird. <laughs> but, uh, but it was cool just seeing the different ideas they had for that. And I'm just curious to see once I actually read it, as far as knowing if that kind of got deleted late in the game or if it was kind of a back and forth type thing where it was in and it was out. So I'm curious to see the explanation for that as I read through it. So, but this again, it's hard to complain about any of these art books when they just have this gorgeous pieces of concept art throughout. And I just love the visual styles that we get in these books. So um, uh, again, like you, Kyle, I would just kind of flip through it and seeing all the pretty pictures, mm-hmm. but, um, and I loved it just for that. I think that's worth getting in and it itself because there's some gorgeous pieces of art in here. But I think once I start reading it, um, start appreciating it more for getting that behind the scenes look of the production of the movie. So I'm looking forward to that. So again, another thing I am happy with, I'm probably sounding like a broken record, but I'm just loving the new content and merchandise we're getting for the Rise of Skywalker with the Blu-ray, the novel and the art book. I'm just eating it all up.
0: Yeah. I need to, I need to read this. I, I want to do a thing where I read actually all of the the books together because they do a great job of kind of almost like a making of kind of thing of of all the design and production just going the little bit i I looked through it just like the first book or all the books i would say they kind of all lead into each other so um it feels like there's a lot of force awakens art that was in the last jedi at the very beginning because again of luke and whatnot and then same thing with the last jedi and the rise of skywalker there's a lot of last there's uh, not a lot but Excuse me. At the very beginning, there's a lot of Rise's of, or excuse me, Last Jedi art that was kind of continuing into the La- uh, Rise of Skywalker, and they even kind of talk about that. How like it's like the Last Jedi, uh, they kind of reference the idea of there. Here's some art that kind of survived from the you know the Last Jedi that you know that kind of informs a little bit of the Rise of Skywalker. So, and they probably didn't put that in for spoiler reasons and whatnot from the Last Jedi. So that was interesting. You gotta wonder again, just like with a, a, I think an eventual uh, deleted scene slash director's cut thing commentary of the Red Skywalker is coming. got I think there's probably a making of sequel trilogy book that's gonna have even more unreleased pictures that's not that's not in any of these books that will feature the Palpatine character or the uh, and all that. So maybe even possibly it's more of like a making of. And with all this new material, which I will definitely be buying, I love that stuff. So you gotta think that's probably where a lot of this might be coming into. Because even if you look at, um, even if you look at the Force Awakens and the Last Jedi, like Snoke and whatnot, like there's not a lot of new designs for those characters. And the Knights of Ren, they kind of lightly touch on that. I feel there's a lot more going in with, with that, and I feel that there's probably a lot more art that either they want to save for later or that they are just saving to do another book at some point that has all new material and all new insight for the sequel trilogy. And, and to be quite honest, maybe they'll even have some of that artwork that got released by Colin Trevorrow too. So I think that these aren't the only, uh, uh, obviously, but I mean, like, I think there will be another book coming out in a couple of years about the new, um, the sequel trilogy or whatever, whatever, if they want to, you know, highlight the Anniversary of the sequel trilogy, or whatever they might do something like that, like a five year anniversary or whatever anniversary. I feel well, like that would that's be this what, year. <laughs> I know. I, I, I yeah. said that and I was like, I was like, I don't know about that, but you know what I'm saying? I, something like that's coming because there's too much that's not revealed. That these books only are smart, are bleh. these books are only a small sample size of what's actually created, and especially the, the fact that they don't have a lot of Palpatine stuff in there. This shows that they probably are going to have another, you know, new release book of something like that. So which again, or maybe there'll be like a, a Skywalker saga art of book? That's like all new material with all of the movies, you know, or something like that, which I would 100 percent be throwing down a lot of money for. So mm-hmm. we'll see. But yeah, I, I haven't looked at it yet. I'm looking forward to it. I love this stuff. I can't wait to re- do a, a proper review with all you guys.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, by the way, I didn't harp on this enough earlier. Let the record state. I read a star Wars book before Paul
2: um, <laughs> and finished it before I did. So that I'll is true. Sure and I'm talking about the novel,
1: not just the art book. I didn't just flip through pictures. Have novel, I read a novel.
2: Count. Cause you retcon
0: in a heartbeat.
1: <laughs> well, I thought I know I was just, I'm just being funny. Good job, Cal. You were trying to be funny. Um, I know. I we're I trying. <laughs> we're trying. I was trying. Um, all right. Well, a couple more things we got to talk about here. Uh, just a little news item. Uh, this is a report from Variety from a few days ago that they have uh, hired a new writer for the Obi-Wan series for Disney plus. Um, so things seem to be back on track there. Uh, and the new writers, Joby Harold, who I guess is most well known as uh, he's a executive producer on John Wick chapter three. Um, and he's also been involved in some writing projects. So, um, Good to hear that that's back on track now. Um, Honestly, I had kind of forgotten about that with all the other stuff going on. Um, But, uh, yeah, and we knew, like, the whole Obi-Wan series getting canceled thing got blown way out of proportion, but there was a delay and some people left the project, but now they got new people on the project, and uh, hopefully they'll be underway soon, and, you know, obviously won't be shooting anytime soon with all these film productions getting shut down, but, um, you know, hopefully that all goes smoothly from here on out. Um, And then lastly, of course, we've got to talk about Clone Wars. Um, I can't believe I guess it's been like a month since the last time we recorded because our last episode we were talking about the Ahsoka arc coming up and now here we're recording on Friday and the last episode just aired today. Um, So now we've got the Ahsoka arc in the bag. We're one week away from the beginning of the Siege of Mandalore, which Ooh. I'm like, I can't believe we're here already. No. this eight weeks has flown by because it does. I mean, when we were in really Disneyland, has, to, when we were in Disneyland together was when we watched the first episode together of the Bad Batch. And that does not feel like eight weeks ago. So I don't know where nope. the time has gone.
2: Um, I take back everything I said about how it was going to be hard to wait for the Siege of Mandalore. How it was going to seem like forever. <laughs> like what we were talking about getting hyped about the Clone Wars being right around the corner. It has flown by, like you said. It doesn't even feel like I've waited at all for the Siege of Mandalore <laughs> to get here, because it's here just next week. So, yeah, it went by in a flash. Yeah,
1: man. And I would kill to have, like, another four episodes in between, you know, a little more time to wait, even another just, like, filler arc or something. But, um, man, yeah, it's crazy. We're down to the last four episodes of Clone Wars, but... You know, you know they've saved the best for last and Oh yes. <laughs> oh gosh, I'm I'm not ready, Tim. I'm not ready. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah that's that's gonna be crazy. But uh, what did you think of the Ahsoka arc?
2: I enjoyed it. It wasn't obviously something that's gonna be remembered as one of the greatest arcs of the Clone Wars series, but I appreciate it for what it was. I know Dave Filoni has said previously going into the Siege of Mandalore, how he wanted the two other arcs to kind of show you where Rex is at before that and where Ahsoka is at. And both arcs accomplished that. And I do, what I really liked about this arc was not only just showing how in the first episode, how Ahsoka is dealing with and and her life, being away from the Jedi temple, but getting the viewpoint of how people other than those who kind of fantasize about the Jedi and romanticize them as luke put it in the last jedi of how they're the greatest thing ever but getting the viewpoint from uh trace and rava how they view the jedi and i'm sure a lot of other people kind of in the underbelly of coruscant on those lower lower levels view them but they've had personal firsthand experience as far as not seeing the jedi in the greatest light when we got the reveal of how the jedi caused the death of their parents in the chase for Zero the Hutt when Cad Bane rescued, or not rescued, but broke him out uh, from prison on Coruscant. And I liked how they tied it into that. And it isn't something that we actually saw happen in the episode Hostage Crisis, but it just alluded to after Cad Bane his escape with Zero, the Jedi did go after him, and it had the speeder chase in Coruscant, and the speeder um, crashed into, uh, I forget exactly how they described it, but it crashed into a building or an architecture that, their rava and trace lived and their parents uh, were killed in that crash and an explosion and not if only that was bad enough but how little the jedi did to console them just saying um you know may the force be with you so to speak something very you know scripted and not re- heartfelt and comforting to them as kids would want to hear from someone like the jedi so i like how it painted that picture of how someone can or this family can view the jedi Jedi in a negative light and how that's probably the case for other people across the galaxy but when it's the they actually were involved in the death of your parents you can understand where they're not going to have the highest opinion of the jedi so i did like seeing the view of the jedi from their point of view and just how awkward and difficult it made it for ahsoka to tell them as far as her being a jedi so that aspect i liked And then also getting a new look at Kessel, I thought was really cool, Mm -hmm. because we, as we saw in Rebels and, of course, in Solo, just seen Mm -hmm. it as this mining facility with slaves there. But yet there's another side of it that's paradise-like, where those who are benefiting from that spice mining and the slavery get to live. And just seeing that contrast, I thought was pretty interesting to see as well. And then we got a nice moment with Anakin and Ahsoka. That was a pretty cool homage to Return of the Jedi when Vader senses Luke on the shuttle as they're making way to Endor. So that was cool. So, But there were certain things about it that felt a little redundant where it didn't need to be four episodes. I think the biggest thing, because I really liked the third episode where we got some cool action and we got to see Rosa and Trace explain their viewpoint of the Jedi. We got that uh, moment of them telling us what happened to their parents. But the fact that that episode ended exactly where they started, all three of them in prison, just felt like uh, a little redundant where they could have thought of something else maybe to move the story forward so they're not ending up in the exact same spot where they started maybe if ahsoka just got captured again or sacrificed herself to get captured while trace and Rover made their escape and then they wanted to go back and freer which what happened in the fourth episode but it just said um i don't want to maybe lazy is too strong of a word but lazy writing to had that third episode end where it did, which was exactly where it started, and the fourth episode begins exactly as the third episode begins with them mm-hmm. in prison trying to figure out a way out. So um, that I wasn't a huge fan of, but I thought it ended nicely. It obviously set up the Siege of, Mandal- of Mandalor pretty well by bringing in Bo-Katan and Sabine's mother too, um, as was part of was one of the other Mandalorians that was with Bo-Katan. But then we got Maul's appearance in the fourth episode and we get some more connections to solo with him mentioning Crimson Dawn and his involvement with the crime syndicates. All that stuff is really cool. So a lot of cool stuff in this episode, but nothing that really blew you away. Like certain Clone Wars arcs do, which we're pretty confident the siege of Mandalore will do. But again, that's nothing wrong with that either. And we've said this a lot too, but I think it bears repeating the fact that we're even getting these episodes is just (laughs) the icing on the cake. Really? Because we all we wanted was Siege of Mandalore, but we got a completed story real arc that we've seen before and a completely new arc that we haven't seen. And I'm just thankful that we got those. And it's kind of hard to complain and nitpick about it when we weren't expecting these and maybe shouldn't even gotten them at all. So that's why I don't want to complain too much about this Ahsoka arc not being mind-blowing or having anything that's going to... St- make it stand out amongst one of the greatest arcs in the series. I'm just thankful that we got an additional clone war stories that shows us what Ahsoka was doing after she left the Jedi order and how it's going to lead to the siege of Mandalore. So overall, I really enjoyed it. But like you said, Kyle, the best is yet to come with the siege of Mandalore and that's coming next. And I cannot wait.
1: Yeah. And I feel the same way. I mean, this, I definitely enjoyed this arc too. Um, wasn't my favorite, but, and I said this like on our last one too, talking about the bad batch, I was like, I know all of these episodes are put under a microscope because they've made such a big deal out of the Clone Wars coming back and we've only got, you know, 12 new episodes that we're getting and you want every one of them to blow you away because, you know, you want to make the most out of all these episodes we're getting. Um, But it's totally okay if every episode isn't like your new favorite episode of Clone Wars. Like, you know, if this was, if we were getting a full 22 episode, you know, season seven, this would probably be in the middle somewhere. And, you know, you watch this and enjoy it while you're waiting for like that one big mall arc or that one big battle arc that, you know, is coming at the end of the season. Um, But I thought it was kind of nice to have like a little bit of a slower paced story um, and had some really good character development for Ahsoka in there. And it's good to kind of see just what her day to day life is like after leaving the Jedi Order. Now, I mean, this isn't exactly day to day life because she's still getting in trouble and getting in adventures and stuff like that. But um, yeah, just seeing sort of where she's at now and then seeing uh, the lessons and the perspectives that she learns through the eyes of. Uh, the Martez sisters, like you were talking about, especially just their perspectives on the Jedi. And um, at first she's afraid to tell them that she was one because she hears their take of how, you know, the Jedi did them wrong. Um, And you're right. Like obviously in the grand scheme of things, the Jedi thought they were doing the right thing by pursuing zero, the hut. And he's this big crime Lord and we got to get him. And you know, if there's collateral damage, it's like they're looking at the big picture and doing what they think is in the best interest of the galaxy. But like, what about these young girls that lost their parents in a stray speeder explosion? Like, you know, it's the the Jedi were kind of heartless to. I mean, not that there's necessarily anything they could have done about that. But yeah, like you said, the fact that they described, you know, a Jedi came up to them afterwards and was like, basically like, sorry for your loss. It was the will of the force or they're with the force now or something like that. Um, and was very just kind of like dismissive about it, and not realizing the repercussions of these big actions that they're taking, um, and the effects that they're having on the lives of just ordinary citizens on Coruscant or wherever else. Um, and I think that kind of reinforces uh, Ahsoka's own misgivings and stuff that she had about the Jedi and walking away from them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really like at the end of the the final episode when Trace and Rafa find out that she is a Jedi, and she's like you know, I'm sorry I should have told you and I was afraid that, you know, you wouldn't accept me or whatever and you have every right to be mad at the Jedi. And Rafa, who the whole time has been, like, the cynical one who, like, doesn't like Ahsoka and she's like, you know what? Like, you can try to change who you are but at the end of the day, like, you know, you walked away from the Jedi but in my eyes, you still are a Jedi but, like, you're what the Jedi should be. Like, after spending Mm -hmm. time with her and learning more about Ahsoka, she's, like, you know, knowing that you're just out here, like, trying to help people like us. Um, And, you know, that we've come to trust you as a friend and stuff like that. Like, you are what the Jedi should have been all along and not, you know, these high and mighty, you know, stepping on the little guys to take care of the big problem kind of stuff. So it was really good to see all those perspectives and all that character development. Um, like you said, the third episode definitely felt redundant. I think really the only important thing in that episode was like finding out the backstory of Trace and Rafa's parents, but the fact that they start in a prison cell, escape, go on this big chase and end up right back in the prison cell. Um, and the whole time, you know, just bickering about who's right and who's wrong and which way they should go and spice and whatever. Um, that episode wasn't my favorite, but the first episode I really liked just with, you know kind of. Setting the stage for, you know, seeing things with Ahsoka's perspective and where she's at now and the introduction of this, these other characters. Um, The second episode was cool. Like you said, seeing a whole new side of Kessel that we've never seen before Um, and even just going back there and seeing, you know, it being run by the Pikes and tying that into Solo and all that stuff was cool. Yeah, yeah.
2: I love the Pikes, too. Their design is so great. Yeah, and you
1: know what? I really wish that in Solo they looked more like they did in the Clone Wars. Yeah. I love their Clone Wars design, and they're – I mean, for all we know, like, in Solo they could look like that, but they just got these big, like, boxy helmets on that don't really look like Mm. that, so it's kind of hard to see. Um, But I absolutely loved the final episode that came out today. Um, I thought it was a great conclusion to the story arc. Yeah. You know, again, more good development for for Ahsoka and Trace and Rafa. And, you know, obviously there's been a lot of tension and bickering back and forth between them over the course of the whole art. But the resolution of all that and where their characters got to by the end of it was really good. So it was a great resolution just of this story and obviously a great tease for the Siege of Mandalore. Um, And it was funny because at first I was like, you know, in, in, in the third episode you had seen Bogotan briefly. And then obviously she plays a bigger role in this one. And I was wondering, I was like, why is she going to be here on the Pike planet, like, and just randomly bumping into Ahsoka? Um, But I'm like, well, obviously the Pikes were working with Maul's syndicate, so it kind of makes sense. Like, they never fully explain it, but it's like, you can kind of figure, like, maybe she was there spying on them or something like that. Um, And she just happens to see Ahsoka, and she's like, oh, I recognize her, because she ran into her uh, back in, like, season four. And uh, she's like, if that's the Jedi, I think she is, you know, we may need her help. And I'm sure we'll find out more about that um, in the, you know, the episode that we get next week. Yeah. Um, But yeah, just seeing, you know, seeing Bo-Katan and the Mandalorians again, having them recruit Ahsoka. And then, my gosh, just seeing Maul for the first time, like seeing that hologram where he's talking to the Pikes, Mm -hmm. and finding out that, you know, again, this is, they're, they're still working with him and this is all kind of part of his operation Um, And so you kind of put the pieces together. Oh, so this is how Ahsoka is going to end up being involved in all this. Um, But man, just, I mean, seeing him again, hearing his voice again. And the fact that they included, Kevin Kiner included his theme, his mall theme from Rebels into the soundtrack. Because like it started playing and I was like, I recognized it as Maul's theme, but I was like, wait, why do I know this? Because I feel like Maul never really had that much of a theme. And then I'm like, oh, this is what plays like in Clone Wars or in in Rebels, I mean, when when he's like leading Ezra through the Sith Temple on Malachor. And then later when he's fighting Ben Kenobi in the desert, I'm like, this is the Rebels Maul theme that he's now using for Clone Wars. Um, So just that was really cool and really effective. And uh, man, gosh, just I cannot wait to see Maul in the flesh on Mandalore again and fighting Ahsoka and all the stuff that's going to come. So, um, I mean, I was expecting a good resolution to this story arc and I figured there might be some kind of a tease for, for the siege of Mandalore, but I wasn't expecting to have Maul play into it this much and, and see him again and stuff. So, um, yeah, I loved it. I, I liked this arc overall. It was, you know, not my favorite, but it was solid. It was fun. Um, I liked just, you know getting back to ahsoka and where she's at and now all this stuff is going to come to a head next week and and over the next four weeks with siege of mandalore and i'm pretty sure i'm not emotionally prepared but <laughs> i'm super excited for it nonetheless
2: yeah out to what your appetite even more I don't know if you saw it did you see sam whitworth's tweet about a couple of days ago where he was saying how he's always been proud of the work he and the crew and clone wars did of maul But there was always something missing, he felt. And that was Ray Park. And the fact that they got him to do the mocap for these episodes, he just goes, I cannot wait for everyone to see (laughs) what they've done for this. You're going to love it. Yeah. uh,
1: (laughs) No, I did see that tweet. And I mean, we knew that from Celebration, like Dave Filoni talked about that they had brought Ray Park in for that. And actually, I don't know if I talked about this on the podcast. I actually talked to Ray Park about that because I met him at a convention uh, last year. I guess it would have been, when was Celebration last year? It was in April, right? So it was after Celebration. Yep. It was uh, May of last year was Phoenix Comic-Con or Phoenix Fan Fusion, as they call it now. Um, but yeah, I, I met him there that year and I got his autograph. And so it was after Celebration. And so I, I talked to him about that. I was like, hey man, you know, I heard you're, you're coming back to do the motion capture for Clone Wars. And he's like, oh yeah, it was really fun. And you know, they had me in this suit and they've they got it rigged up to this monitor where you can like see, you know, it's got like a, a previs, like, character model of maul that's doing all the movements that i'm doing in the motion capture suit so just to test it out i was like break dancing and stuff and seeing maul do it on the monitor so <laughs> um yeah it was super cool getting to talk to him about that but obviously seeing his his fighting style applied to maul in animation is just going to be
2: so crazy yeah just hearing those who have seen it like sam what were rave about it like it's like just waiting wetting our appetites even more to see that in action man it's going to be amazing it's going to be nuts
0: <laughs> I uh, kind of just kind of wrapping up here because I'm running late. Thanks to me, obviously. Uh, I think that this, the Ahsoka arc, this with Rafa and stuff, it was, uh, it wasn't bad, but it just wasn't, I think we all ha- will say the same thing. It's it just kind of went on too long and it just seemed kind of redundant after a while, but I like the characters a lot. So it just it just felt like they they had a great idea. They just didn't know what to do with it completely for four episodes, mm-hmm. and it felt like they just kind of treaded water for a little bit. I don't want to say filler, because it wasn't even that. It just it just kind of like just it just felt like they just kind of didn't do anything. And for a while, even though, even though I like the episode where they got spice, and the last episodes where I think were a little bit better, but I feel they could have condensed it to like from four to three. But that's just my opinion, and I'm strangely attracted to Rafa for some reason. I don't know how to explain it, but I am, so <laughs> I just want to say that for the record. It's like, Jesus, I don't know, I just think she's awesome, so... Uh, oh, yeah. and
1: one last note on this arc, too. The animation was just oh, was great, gorgeous, yeah. Like, and we talked about that with the Bad Batch arc, too. Those episodes looked great, but even just the first episode of this arc on, you know, just the on Underworld and stuff, and there's so many more... Just background characters and aliens and stuff than there had been in the Bad Batch arc because it was mostly just that squad going off and, you know, they're sneaking around on on Skako Minor. It was like five or six main characters and a crap ton of battle droids. Um, Yeah. But, you know, so there was a lot more variety of of characters and alien designs and just, you know, the the lighting and the underworld of Coruscant and all the neon signs and everything. Honestly, with just from the animation, I felt like I was watching a Disney movie at certain points. Like it looked that Mm. good. Dude, Um,
2: even the second episode where they're flying over the nice part of Kessel. Yeah, it could easily be mistaken for a live action movie. I think it looked that good. The ship and the environments. It was just crazy good. Yeah, definitely. Um, True.
1: And I'm sure the next four episodes are going to look phenomenal as well, and we'll keep raving about it then, too. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, I mean, we we say it all the time, but uh, just can't stress enough just how grateful I am to have Clone Wars back in general, um, even if every episode isn't, you know, a home run or whatever. Um, but, like I said, my, my only expectation is that the siege of Mandalore is going to be a home run. So starting next week, you know, this is where the fun begins. Um, but it was uh, four
2: episode. It's gotta be a grand slam.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah, so that's pretty much going to do it for, for clone wars, rise of Skywalker, all that fun stuff. It's been another fun episode. Uh, before we wrap up, Tim, do we have any emails or social media comments or anything like that that you want to read?
2: Uh, Yes, we do. We got an email and a couple of responses. I figured since Rise of Skywalker hit Blu-ray, it's kind of a good time to get the word out to see what people's favorite scenes were now that it's on digital or Blu-ray. You have enough time to watch it to form an opinion on what their favorite scenes are. So we got a few responses from that on Twitter. So first off uh Martin Elman at Darmit Studios. He couldn't pick this one. He had to give a list of his favorites. Number one being the Han scene. Two, Ray's and Kylo Ren's tug of war of the transport. Number three, Luke Rises the X-Wing. Number four, the Serpent Healing. And number five, just Babu Frick. <laughs> which anything with Babu Frick, Martin likes, which I could definitely understand why. And then Star Wars Junkie at Wars Junkie says, it's a tough call, but 3PO steals the show. He is so great in the movie. I love how Finn is so comfortable in the Falcon. He has that look. Love the last line of the movie. Kylo's redemption is great. The smile, just all of it. It's a great film. And then Joshua at Kesselrunner87 says, Ben redemption scene with Han was one of my favorite Star Wars scenes ever. And then Caleb Klingon at Caleb underscore Klingon5 says, the scene with Kylo's memory gets me every time. The emotion of it, the way it mirrors TFA and how it completes Ben's arc. It's just all so powerful, beautiful, and so well done. And then Jake Wade at J underscore Raid 21. He's going to be three for three on the Han and Ben scene. He goes, that scene hands down. It's generally surprised me, and it was beautifully executed. I personally didn't want Kylo Ren to be redeemed, but I'm glad that this is how it went down. I also like to think that Leia had some involvement with this happening. And then Jesse, a.k.a. Bizzle at Star Wars Thorcast. He just says, smoochy smooch, which I figure everyone could figure out what scene that is, (laughs) which is his favorite. So thanks, everyone, for responding with your favorite scenes. Obviously, the Han and Ben moment was the standout, which I can definitely agree with. But then also we got...
1: Oh, sorry, just before we get to the email, I was going to say same question to you guys. So, so, Tim, your favorite moment, too, is the Han and Ben scene?
2: See, I like that whole sequence. I'm going to say that's great, but I would specifically pinpoint that duel that Ray and Kylo Ren have and to mm. the moment that we talked about a lot in this episode where Leia reaches out to him and then when Ray heals him. So everything from the beginning of that duel to the duel to that end where she heals Ben, that's my absolute favorite. But for me, it continues on with the Han and Ben moment. If some people may not want to, and it's not just one scene that way, but I think it's, that's the culmination of that whole moment on uh, Kefbur. And uh, Paul, what about you?
0: the whole movie (laughs) (laughs) no i probably erase skywalker that
2: that's a close second for me i mean yeah
0: yeah. i think for me that's gonna hold a lot It, it was it meant a lot to me then i it's probably gonna mean a lot more to me in the future as well so just the significance of that i think that for some reason, I think that the tale of Ray Skywalker, and, and a partly the reason why I want the the Skywalker saga to continue, is because of how powerful that moment is. Cause, cause I kind of feel that if it doesn't, it doesn't undermine the ending of, of the episode nine, which I, I love. I think episode nine obviously is my my favorite uh, of the Disney era or whatever. But I think that it's it just would it it, it would enhance the ending of that movie of her. Of the importance of her legacy within the Skywalker line, because of her choosing to be go by the name Skywalker after you know, the 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 blood quote unquote bloodline was 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 gone, she would carry that name and the legacy of what what being a Skywalker means, not necessarily what it is physically, if that makes sense. So, uh, that being said, I think I love the idea of what that signifies and on, on a meta and on a, uh, a a story bit level. So, yeah, I, and, that, and that's just me being honest. I, I think that moment is beautiful, and I love the fact that it's called The Rise of Skywalker. So it just kind of, it's it, to me, it's it doesn't get enough love. I mean, I know people like it, and it, it's regarded. I think people generally like it for the most part. And so, but with with the title, of Rise of Skywalker, and the ending, I just, I just don't think people give it enough credit for trying to tell that that kind of idea of what or what the story is and what it obviously is saying about what 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 it's saying so yeah that is by far my favorite part of the movie
1: yeah you know it's funny because for me i think right now my favorite part of the movie is one that i was not a big fan of the first time i saw it and it's grown on me ever since and it's actually the moment in the battle over exegol when lando shows up with the massive fleet um because the first time I saw it, I was like, "Man, this is—they're just doing a ripoff of Endgame and having everybody show up to save him at the last minute." Um, but it's one that, like, when I rewatch the movie now, it just puts a huge smile on my face. I love the way it's staged, where you know Poe sort, you know, stores his X-wing up over the the Star Destroyer, and you just see everybody gathering there, and the way the music swells up. But even more than that, I love sort of the thematic, uh, you know, like like what it means in the story. And I love the idea of like throughout Star Wars, at least through the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy, the protagonists have always just been like this scrappy band of freedom fighters that have been the only ones brave enough to stand up against the Empire or the First Order. And I love the idea that now because of everything they've been through and because of, like, their their persistence and their bravery and their tales of heroism and the legend of Luke Skywalker and all these things that have spread throughout the galaxy, that now the entire galaxy is finally ready to rise up against this tyranny. And it's not just a small little band of freedom fighters. And I love the line when... Uh, when general pride turns to his guy and he says like where did they get all these ships from they have no navy and he says it's not a navy sir it's just people i love that line and i love that moment so that's actually my favorite moment in rise of skywalker right now
0: i'm glad you have a favorite moment at all so it's great news <laughs> uh,
2: always like it when we all have different choices too so again i think it speaks to the movie of all the great moments it has so <laughs> yeah exactly But then also we got an email from Logan Simmons about getting uh, all the stuff we just talked about on this episode, the Blu-ray and the art book. He goes, hey, Kyle, Tim and Paul, I hope the three of you and your families are doing well during this particular time. In staying positive, I've got a Star Wars related story that I'd like to share. So just to preface, we all know that the physical edition of Episode 9, as well as the art book, released on March 31st. Well, I live in Arizona and as of five pm. on march thirty first, stay-at-home procedures were put in place throughout the entire state. Now, because I got off work at four, I had to literally race to Best Buy and Barnes and Noble in order to grab my episode nine merch, while of course abiding to the Imperial speeding regulations. After waiting in line at Best Buy, I got my still book and it ran into Barnes and Nobles with no time to spare. I asked the employees if the brand new art book is in the Star Wars section, and they hand me the novelization. <laughs> I tried to explain the difference between the two. And I am met with that iconic look you get from store employees when you get a real specific or when you get real specific about something Star Wars, which I think we've all been there. (laughs) (laughs) I know you I know, you know, the feeling. Anyways, I head to the Star Wars section and scurry around the bookstore like a madman until I victoriously find it in the pop culture section. And then he sends us a picture of his receipt that has the exact time at 5 p.m. So (laughs) he just got him right up the dot. Insert GIF of
1: Indiana Jones snatching the hat under the door.
2: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. Then he goes on to say, so far I've got to say that the extra material surrounding episode nine has been superb. The art of book is not only a fascinating read, but the art itself is worth the asking price. In regards to Ray Carson's novelization of episode nine, not since the Revenge of the Sith novel by Matthew Stover has a Star Wars book expanded upon its source material in such a satisfying way. I need that scene with Kylo and Chewie in the prison chambers. 100% agree, Logan. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah, and, we'll see. And it by is- the
1: way, just a note, Logan. It's your fault that I'm now reading the Revenge of the Sith novelization again after I read uh,
2: the la- or the Rise of Skywalker. I should go back to that because that is amazing, and I haven't read it since it came out, which was in 2005. So yeah, I'd probably do for a reread And Same on that here. One. I haven't read it since since the movie came out, but I,
1: I it's always stuck in my mind as a star Wars book that I really enjoyed and just adds so much more context to, um, to the story. And I mean, there are scenes that people say like, Oh, this is, you know, people make fun of or whatever. And I go, Oh, but you should read it in the book. It's so much better.
2: I'm thinking of it. Maybe I should actually uh, listen to the audio version of it. That might be pretty cool.
1: Okay. Yeah.
2: Cause I did that for episode one back in like 2012 and I have two, so I should probably look, think about getting three well (laughs) something to put on my list but But he continues saying hopefully we'll see we'll see it in the comic adaption when that is eventually released the steelbook is awesome as it fits with the rest of the collection but i do find it disappointing that there are no deleted scenes or featurettes then he also sent us a picture of his steelbook collection which is awesome to see every movie in steelbook sometimes i forget that they re-released the movies on blu-ray with new packaging in the steelbooks for the prequels and the original trilogy And even through his Clone Wars box in there and all of them put together, looks really, really cool. But he concludes saying, again, I hope the best for the three of you as well as all the Saga Continues listeners. I love listening to the podcast and sending in the occasional email. May the force of others be with you. Same to you, Logan. Thanks again for the email, for sharing your story and your pictures of their awesome Steelbook collection. And glad that you enjoyed the additional Rise Rise of Skywalker content that we talked about in this episode.
1: Yeah, definitely. Hey, and I live in Arizona too, so I know what you're talking about with that lockdown. Um, luckily, I had my copies of stuff before then, or at least the the novel I picked up from from Barnes and Noble. But we weren't on lockdown yet, and then I got uh, I had just ordered the art book on Amazon, so I got that in the mail. Um, but yeah, thank you, Logan, for the email. Uh, thank you to all you guys for. Um chiming in with your comments and stuff on social media. Um, always great to hear from you. Hope you guys are all doing well right now and uh, staying inside and staying safe and all that good stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, that's going to do it for us. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. As always, you can follow us online, follow us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues. Uh, you can send us email at TSC at gmail.com if you want to uh, share your thoughts and questions and comments and stuff with us and have us read those on the show. Um, and you can check out our website at starwarstsc.com for all the uh, news stories and new episodes and all that good stuff that we're posting. Um... And, uh, of course, also check out thunderquack.com for all the other awesome podcasts in the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Uh, that's gonna do it for now. I think for our next episode, we're probably gonna do a Rise of Skywalker commentary sometime soon, uh, now that that's out on, on Blu-ray and everything, uh, so we can watch it and do that for you guys. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see what other Star Wars news might come out in the future. Of course, enjoy the Siege of Mandalore. Very much looking forward to that. Um... But, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for now. Thank you all for listening. We will see you next time, and may the Force be with you.
2: See you next time, everybody. God, speed Rambles.